Greatness has arrived. Welcome to episode 310 of The Trophy Room, a PlayStation podcast made by the players for the players. I'm your host, Joseph, a.k.a. Mr. Badbit, and it is here where me and my best friend Kyle talk about the latest, the greatest in all things PlayStation. Of course, this week, we're talking all about the value of PlayStation Plus is bringing this month a sneaky PlayStation acquisition that will make it go ballistic. Are we finally going to eat with some state of play news soon? And PSVR 2 chat with Steve Vivargi. And of course, we interviewed the great Jane Perry, the voice behind Celine in Returnal, and so much more. But with all that said, and with all that out of the way, the greatest co-host whoever is, whoever will be, Mr. Kyle Stevenson, how are you, sir? Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, I had to do that for the video <laughs> viewers. Excuse the weird sound that just came out of my mouth. Excuse the loud, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm doing okay. Just okay. Just okay? We're, I, we're having I, a, a great show here, Kyle. Oh, we're have we're gonna have a fantastic show. It's a huge show. I'm excited <laughs> to sit down and talk with you. Trying not to be a bummer, and it it failed already. <laughs> no, listen, I, I'm so excited. I've been excited about this episode for the past yeah. day now, like yeah. for the past like it's big. 24, 48 hours. I mean, we get to talk about PlayStation VR 2 with Steve from Ooh, Console boy. Features. Uh, we talk to the great Jane Perry Ugh, about her fantastic. roles and especially about Celine and Returnal. Um, just so many great conversations here. It's a huge show. I can't yeah, wait Jane to just... said something in that at the end that blew me away and took yeah. me aback for a second. Like, yes. Yeah. The kind words out of her... The, mm wild <laughs> endless amount I, I i cherish them she was yeah. terrific same with steve but before we get yes. into it i always want to do a little bit of an icebreaker on the show yeah and you said hey let me pull up this question from an audience member and a question like you could send us yeah. whether you follow us at ps trophy room whether you follow us on our discord server links down below to all that jazz so take it away kyle yeah, I pulled this up from uh, our mailbag, uh, Pony Sony Pony Express. Yeah. I was like, oh, this would be a good uh, icebreaker question said, so I'll put it up here. This comes from the one and only Yuna. Hey there, guys. I hope you guys are doing good and sniping all the trophies you can get. Like a Dragon Ishin Early Access is in two days, and I'm super hyped, though I'm getting it on PC just to be different than getting it on PS5. Mm. My question this week is more of a scenario question. With Valentine's Day being this week, I want you guys to imagine you all go on a date with each other, okay. and you're able to bring a plus one. Okay. Who will that plus one be, and what do you picture happening on that date? Okay, Kyle, let me switch this up. Or is this the PG-13 uh, version of the story, or <laughs> what are we talking about? Let's not listen. Let's not get <laughs> nuts, okay? <laughs> Their kids could be watching here, okay? No, Remember, absolutely. Remember, yeah. I don't real do that on that our first stuff. date anyway. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Keeping it classic. Keeping it classic. Yeah. We go to a nice. First off, I want I want us to pick each other's dates. Oh, okay. So, like, who do you think? And Kyle, I'm going to give you the honor. So, first, I want to pick the setting. Are we do Are we doing fictional or are we doing fictional. real people? Fic oh, okay. no, 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 no. Listen, I was about to say, <laughs> <You, we can't, laughs> don't do that. Lady Gaga is not going yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. 
you know, Alexa Bliss is already married. Exactly. (laughs) I don't want to be the tear in that relationship, you know. I don't want to break a marriage up. So fictional Uh PlayStation characters, okay? PlayStation characters who fit our personalities, all right? Mm Mm-hmm. And I want to set a setting, this is because this is it's the Valentine's Day, you know, it just passed, but whatever. And you're yeah. probably listening to this, you're like, Valentine's what? Nonetheless, setting, romantic, Olive Garden. When you hear your family, endless breadsticks, pasta salad, like the the bowl. And if you want to, you want to get crazy, you want to get really nuts, you could take them on a tour to Italy, right there. Oh. Olive Garden, when you hear your family. Nothing says romantic like a Olive Garden or asterisks if there's no Olive Garden in your area. All right, ladies, gentlemen, listen up. A hula hands. That's right. Hula hands. What is a hula hands? Exactly. It is fine dining at its its peak. Now we get the booth seat. So I'm setting the scene. Dimly lit. Again, Olive Garden. When you hear your family, you're only getting top-notch service. It's not a plug. Every time I've been in there, top notch. They give you a little disc. What do you have to wait? Right? Uh huh. Uh-huh. And oddly enough, number 69. <laughs> but we're waiting. We're waiting. Okay. That's as dirty as we're getting. Yeah. Who's our dates? Kyle? Yeah. Much respect, first and foremost. Respectfully, Tifa. Ah, uh, okay. Tifa's your girl. I feel mm-hmm. like in my heart of hearts, I feel like she's right for you. I think you. Oh, nice. I, I, I think she's the anchor you need. I think you're the warm blanket. You know what I mean? Fair. She like if if you guys are getting mugged, she's going to beat them up. Don't get me wrong. Oh, you're standing yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, my pearls. She's oh. beating them up. But yeah. you're the warm blanket. You know, oh, like she that. needs comfort in her life. You know, she yes. doesn't have that. And I feel like you're, you know, you're. You're that. No oh, man, that's a great pick. Thank I would you. love to go on a date with Tifa. I know. Uh, my pick for you, I wear think, match... dress. <laughs> <laughs> my pick for you, Joe, matches mm-hmm. your personality, your energy. Okay. I feel like the banter between you two would be uh, on fire all night long. It would okay. be a joy to watch. You'd be vibing. So, so I'm setting you up with Chloe Frazier. Oh my! You, you and Chloe, yeah. man, that's a that's a match made in heaven right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's I I that honestly I I do think Chloe Frazier is like the first like video game lady that I was like oh she pretty, you know yeah. like the, like the realest real one. I think it's Chloe for sure. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mm-hmm. and then like she gets to talk about all the adventures she's been on. Maybe oh, yeah. if things go well as a history to... buff yourself. I mean, come on, right? You guys would gel. Come on. And I, and I feel like she gets to take me on an adventure of hers as well. Like if things go right, like three, four months in, and then like I contract a weird jungle disease <laughs> where my hands like 18 sizes the way it should be. I'm just, I'm just imagining like lost legacy, but instead of like Sam or Nadine yeah. driving the Jeep around in that open world section, it's you. <laughs> yep. And you're stopping all over the place while Chloe gets out and goes does her little adventures and so whatnot and be like, all right, got, babe, I'm right here. Yeah, exactly. I'll be here when you get out. I got the Vita. I got stung by like a exotic hornet, <laughs> and now I got two hands. So 
Yeah. Don't know. Oh, how you're that's going in that work. cave? Ah, no, I'll stay here. <laughs> oh, Someone's got to watch the jeep. You know, exactly. There, there's Someone... there's soldiers running all over the place. Yeah. it's fine. I got this gun. I don't know how to use it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Kyle. Listen. All the romance aside, Valentine's yeah. Day treating us well and all that jazz. It's time to talk about PlayStation. But before we do, a little bit of housekeeping. We revamped our entire Patreon to give you guys and gals more value over there. So please check out all the big changes. We literally made it more accessible than ever. We pretty much what we did was we took all the tiers and just made it a little bit easier for everybody to just get in and to be a supporter, to get your shout outs, to get and, cool yeah. custom swag, all the things. So check out Something all the changes. Something we did add. Yeah. The swag and whatnot, just so everyone knows. So I figure we'll talk about it here. So that, uh, to get you to click over uh, gold tier members, which is 15 bucks a month, uh, three months of consecutive support at that level will get you a special trophy room t-shirt. That's right. Um, I'm, a, I'm thinking we, you know, get a community artist to make a design and put that on the shirt for y'all similar to our posters which are going out soon that's right they're in joe's hands that's right it's a, it's an it's it's destiny they will be out there by this weekend we'll have them eventually that's right uh and then platinum uh you'll not only get a shirt but you also get a mug same thing three months consecutive support yeah. and so yeah it's all revamped and easier to have access yeah. it, it, it's the easiest access Oh my god! You got this. It's the most accessible our Patreon has ever been. There we go. And one person's like <laughs> sold. You nailed it. Uh, and yeah. really, what we just did, we, we took a, away the plus tiers and just put everything in the yeah. bronze, silver, gold, platinum tiers to just make it easier for just even us to comprehend and to make it again easier for you all as well. And so, if you want a shout out on the show, it's literally seven bucks a month. The silver tier, you get all types of bonuses. You get all the bonus shows if you're just a bronze member you get our monthly bonus show if you're just you know a dollar or below all that type of stuff so so much there for you and it's because of your support it's the reason why we look so good we sound so great is because of your generosity over at patreon.com slash p s trophy room i want to thank our newest patrons at the silver tier i want to thank Birdos maximus i want to thank no fate at the bronze tier and i know listen a name so nice, I had to add it in twice. DJ Hercules at the eighty, sorry, eighty nine at the bronze tier. I want to thank our premium. You see what I did there? Producers Todd Burowitz and Toxic. I want to thank our platinum members: Brad Presnell, Brenton Gillian, uh, Jedi Master Ren, Cowboy Danger D, which sent a very salacious uh, selfie of him in the general chat, which kept a PG thirteen, but. God damn, good sir. God damn, God damn. Happy Valentine's Day to you and yours. Jonas Young, Jose Jimenez, the Green Gorilla Gamer, Chaotic Monkey, Millennial Falcon Gaming, Ryuko Kill 90, Sith Lord 92, Spam and Bammon, Steve of Flesh, and Strubles in Bits. And I want to thank our gold members Awesome Dave, Cypher Primus, Baldrin, Doss Simon the Pie Man, uh, <laughs> Doss Simon, you broke me, Daniel Welsh, Elo 2032, Jesse Garcia, JB the Purple Monkey, Hide Indoors, Nagachaka. Katie, Kevin Mitchell, Kevin Diaz, Kay Grimm, uh, Lamb Chop 93, Marcus O'Neill, Androsasaur, Astronaut Junior, not to be mistaken with Astronaut Senior, Rick Arrington, Dewane Roxa, Aztec King, Robbie Bobby Miller, Brenton Zachary, Brunty Blob, Bubble Boy N7, Captain Logan, Final Fan XZ, Hambone, JD Dillinger, M9 Prime, Stone Cold ET, Tino Six Speed, 
mkyle underscore h85 and johnson and sean mckenzie but thank you all for your support and for giving me cotton mouth there Ooh. Ooh, that's, Ooh. It's dry. It's like a desert. And again, all your support <laughs> over at patreon.com slash PSRFM keeps the lights on, keeps the show going. It's all because of your generosity over at patreon.com slash PSRFM. Now it's finally time, Kyle, Ooh, to square up the news. First bit of news that needs to be squared up comes from Steve Watts over at GameSpot. PlayStation State of Play reportedly coming within a month, bigger showcase before E3. PlayStation may have its own State of Play event coming soon, followed by a bigger PlayStation showcase event sometime before June, according to Giant Bomb's Jeff Grubb. On his daily news show, Game Mess Mornings, Grubb said that while plans could shift, he expects to see a state of play within the next month. Quote, a state of play should be happening in the next few weeks to month, Grubb said. In that range, next few weeks to a month, we should see a state of play. At least that's the current plan. Right now, these things have shifted before, end quote. Grubb went on to state that it's not just a state of play in the works, as a PlayStation showcase is also said to be on the way sometime before E3. He later clarified that by E3, he simply means the general time frame of when E3 takes place, which is in June. All right, Kyle, we're finally getting rumblings. We're finally getting the rumors, the speculation of not just the next state of play, but the PlayStation showcase that we're so hungry for. Yeah. That said, let's start with the state of play, because you said it's going to be, listen, it's going to be way more subdued. It's going to be a low-key state of play. Yeah, I want to know, A, do you buy this story? Do you want it to be true? And B, what do you think of when he says it's going to be a you know lower stakes show? Sure. I Also, I want to take this opportunity. We're recording a little bit earlier, so if you hear running around upstairs, there's nothing I can do. Oh, yeah. If you hear um, loud Puerto Ricans <laughs> in the back, that's my family, so. It's a big show. We had to move times around. Yeah, um, Mia. Uh, do I do I like this uh, news? Of course, right? Our order's <laughs> been placed at the restaurant. We're hungry. Yeah, uh, we're we're just waiting for the meal to come out. Uh, Chloe uh, and Tifa are waiting. Okay, they're they're waiting. They're waiting. Come on. Uh, I think a smaller state of play makes sense. I think they want to s- save the big guns for uh, an eventual showcase. Whether or not this state of play is focused on vr or or the the smarter like second party stuff if there is any um because they seem so hell bent on here in the next hour on twitter here's four indies every 15 minutes go to the blog it's just like well if you do that then in my in my opinion in my guess yeah that would take them out of a state of play Sure. I don't think I don't think they talk about it on Twitter and then also add it in the state of play if we're getting one of the next few weeks. That just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So what is in that state of play outside of maybe some VR stuff? I have no clue. Mm. Really. I-, I-, I expect most of the PlayStation news that we want is going to be at that showcase. Yeah. I don't think we're getting Spider-Man stuff in the state of play. I don't think we're getting whatever Blue Point's working on in the state of play. I think all of that is showcase stuff. And uh, so at this point, why not just wait until the showcase? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I want the, I want the state of play to mean something or, or right. give us something meaningful than just like, hey, we're still a thing. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I know Nintendo did it, so we have to. Uh, no, yeah, exactly. I, I, right. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be an afterthought. I do think this is going to be a slower show. 
Um, for sure. And, and to give you guys the window, we're working with for the PlayStation Showcase. It's anywhere between end of May to June 22nd, which is the launch date of Final Fantasy 16, right? So if we're working with, with those dates, I do feel like this state of play, if we're also going by the history in which they showcase state of plays, it's anywhere between the end of February, the last week of February, or the first week or second week of March. So it's coming up soon. And I think what this state of play is going to be is, hey, here is all of our stuff that's not Final Fantasy, that's not Spider-Man, that's coming out this year on PlayStation. Here's our second party. Here's maybe an X-Dev with like, um, what is it? Um, uh, Sacred Blade, right? Like that game's coming well, out Stellar 2023. Blade. Sorry, Stellar Blade. Uh, that game's coming out 2023. So you probably want to push something like that. You want to push something like Resident Evil to get people associating that game with yours uh with your console and to even help a good you point. Know, jedi uh jedi survivor as well to see That's a little a bit point. more of that so to me this state of play i think is going to serve more of here's some of the wacky some of the maybe even jedi doesn't isn't even there but like here are some of the 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 wackier this uh the the more playstation as playstation games right you know your your weird jrpgs that usually wouldn't get the light of day but we're showcasing you know if i'm thinking back to last year's state of play it was a lot of that right um it was a lot of like diofield it was a lot of of valkyrie elysium right it's the smaller double a and maybe some of the triple a games that get out there uh, that's what I'm thinking that this showcase is. Those that's Should we get a my, we get a suicide squad, do you think? Um No. Because they couldn't remember on yeah. top of my head where that marketing lies. Yeah. No, I, I do think it is with PlayStation, but I don't think it is at this state of play. I think if it's very, if he's saying it's a sl slower show or it's a smaller in scope, I definitely think something like stellar blade is the showcase and everything else is kind of behind it. You know, could be now that I'm looking at some of the games that are coming up in the next couple of months, obviously MLB the show will probably yeah. be a part of that. Uh, burning shores, the DLC for horizon. Absolutely. Could That's be probably there, yeah. a good get. Uh, do they? Do you think they go Dead Island? Do you think they want to? <laughs> uh, that's the thing. I, I feel know. like if, to, if, if <laughs> listen, if if the Dead Rising crew wants to be there, they'll they'll buck it up. But no, I don't think that's gonna be there. I do think it's yeah. a lot of like, again, like more Japanese style stuff. But I could see some Fair. first party like a Horizon actually probably be the headline. I totally forgot about Burning Choice. So like yeah. yeah like Stellar Blade and, and Horizon could be the the showcase games that we have there, absolutely. Probably a, a a character unveil for Street Fighter Six maybe. Ooh, that's a good one too. Yeah, again, you want to showcase what's coming onto your platform, even if it's not necessarily a, an exclusive. Yeah, so, for sure. That being said, though, now we get to the PlayStation Showcase, Kyle, and I want to know. Oh boy, I want to know what you need to like. Does this show like what? What do I need? What do you need, <laughs> Kyle? What do I need? Let me tell you the ways. I need a new resistance. I Check. need. I need a Spider-Man two deeper dive than the one trailer that we've gotten double check okay <laughs> i i i need to see what blue point is working on and if it's not legend of dragoon remake you know let me move on 
<laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh I mean, uh, I'm trying to think. Like, I think it's still too early to see whatever Naughty Dog's working on, other than um, the multiplayer. I think right. seeing the multiplayer in action would be amazing. Yeah. And just like uh, you'll hear it later, but we just had our talk with Steve about VR two. Like, get, show us some big VR two stuff. How long do you think the showcase needs to be? The showcase in- needs to be at least an hour and twenty minutes long. Oh my god, Kyle, let's slow the roll here. Hey, hour no. twenty. Hours? What do you mean? That's no, it's not. If they do a deep dive on Spider Man Two, it's a big flagship title yeah. that is out this year. Let's say it goes fifteen minutes. Okay, that's an hour for everything else. But okay, it's plenty. It's plenty. So for me, listen, I I feel like you. <laughs> Kyle's want crazy. So let's. <laughs> yeah, let's let's. Kyle took some crazy. Pills so much the is. Show. I mean, is it though? So much is unknown. They I need mean, to start talking. They need to talk. So the first, you know, the the, the last showcase was about 42 minutes long. The one before that was about 56 minutes long. I think that's what you're going to get here. I don't think they necessarily need to make up for the lack of their appearance last year, right? So you're saying hour 20, I got a chance. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I'm hearing. I'm I'm saying you're going to get a 45-minute to a 56-minute showcase. And I think you'll see those big, like, Final Fantasy, it's on state of play. Spider-Man, dude, they're going to milk that marketing so well. Like, that, you don't need the biggest deep dive. You just need another trailer showing us what this, more of this game, and maybe a couple minutes of, you know, you know, PD, you know, swinging in the, in, in the sky and whatnot. But other than that, it doesn't j- just hit us with the, here's what's coming out here. Bloodborne 2, Elden Ring 3, like all that type of stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, you can hit us with the games that we know that are coming out in the next six months, year, year and a half still. I don't think they need to have a huge showcase. I know I, I'm crazy when I say this for You're the nuts. sake of having a big <laughs> showcase. Cause I I'm thinking of the pacing as a producer. Everybody's going to go. That was way too long. I think you want something that's about an hour to get people excited and then get people excited for the refresh. That is the detachable PlayStation five and some of the accessories that we're going to get later uh, to get people amped for the holiday. So that's what I kind of think. I think it, they don't need to make up for having, you know, a lack of showcase this year with just more games. Just show us what you have in store because Papa's getting worried, you know? Uh, so for me, that's what I want to see out of this showcase. I I feel like I'm coming at this with a super realistic lens of what we're expecting here, right? And Kyle, you look shocked. You look perplexed that I would. No, I am. I'm. I'm looking at, at. I'm looking at some things here. You're trying to prove me wrong. You're trying to. You're really trying to justify an hour twenty minute show. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. Go for it. So an hour twenty, roughly, <laughs> was the length of the greatest E3 PlayStation Showcase 2016. Okay. Do you think that was too long? Have, do you? Because as somebody who just rewatched that three times in the last week in different <laughs> oh, live reacts yeah it goes by super quick and right. they threw a lot of stuff out there and had deeper dives on like they had horizon gameplay they had days gone gameplay kojima coming out the the walkway whatever like that was roughly an hour 20 and i can see yeah. them going big if they really want to now i feel like they are now moving into let's not worry about ps4 right Let's player go base in. let's go all in next gen 
here's what you can play only on PlayStation 5, PSVR 2. I think think they give us at least two or three games that we're playing next year. I am I'm gonna meet you as halfway as I could get and I say an hour and change. Because an hour Kojima, twenty, baby <laughs> Kojima walking down those steps took a little time. All right. I mean, let's not forget Death Stranding 2 was a thing that was announced during the game awards. Yeah. And it very much could be a thing we, we could be playing next year. But that yeah. said, I yeah, I think an hour twenty still even with I get it, the the E3 of dreams that was twenty sixteen. I definitely think in today's you know, direct like featurettes that the pacing is going to be felt because you don't have an audience to feed off of you with the excitement of every game popping. So that said, I do think I will give you an hour and change. Nothing more, nothing less. Tops hour five. This is this is the hill I die on. All right, fair enough. Listen, you and everybody else, that is that is fine. And hey, Kyle, listen, that's enough about this state of play talk. Of course, if there yeah. is a state of play announced. Uh, between now and you know next week's episode, expect a bonus show. Expect our predictions, what we think, and all that stuff. Expect that the live dives. react. Yep, all the live stuff. react afterwards. Make sure you're following us at PS Show for you because this episode was a little late for your feeds as well. And you could get all the updates you need if you head on over to PS Trophy Room. Uh, and so you're not always you're not always worried. You're like, where's this episode? Don't worry. It was a little late because PSVR 2 it is what it is. But that being said. Follow us there. It is time to get into our next story. That is, uh, we're getting into speculation town. Zarmi and Akan over at PS Lifestyle writes, Sony may have acquired new studio Ballistic Moon. Well, well, well. It looks like new developer Ballistic Moon has joined the PlayStation Studios family. This quote-unquote leak, if we can call it that, comes from a job listing published by none other than Sony itself. Uh, Ballistic Moon developers are no stranger to PlayStation Studios. The job advert for a senior dialogue designer based in London states that PlayStation is looking for someone to work on, quote, major AAA projects alongside our partners at studios such as Naughty Dog, Santa Monica Studio, Guerrilla Games, Fire Sprite, Ballistic Moon, London Studios, Housemark, Media Molecule, Insomniac Games, Sucker Punch Productions, and more, end quote. The quote-unquote partners listed here we've got the receipts if sony scrubs anything oh man zermina going hard are all (laughs) sony studios with the exception of ballistic moon that it's listed among first-party developers and is the only studio that hasn't officially been declared a first-party developer in parentheses yet is a little odd ballistic moon staff members have a history of working with sony the studio comprises of former supermassive games leads who have worked on titles like until dawn more recently, a job listing revealed that Ballistic Moon is working on a PS5 single-player narrative-based game code, codenamed Project Bates. Ooh-wee. All right, Kyle. Let's get into speculation town. But we're just window shopping, Population okay? me. We're just window shopping. We're, ju- we're not okay. here to buy anything. We're not. I, sure. I have to. Re- listen, I have to return some Blue Point rumors. So you you just look around. Don't even touch. Don't even touch. All right. Okay. Do you think there's any any plausible way that this is true? Because last year, right after the uh, the Activision acquisition, we got the Bungie acquisition, right? Like like a week or two afterwards, and then you know a, a few weeks after the Bungie news, we got them acquiring you know. 
uh, Haven Studios. And then a few months after that, you got them acquiring Nexus and you got them acquiring um, some other support studios, small in scope for sure. Was it Fire Sprite a part of that too? Fire Sprite as well. So uh, I think Fire Sprite may have been a little bit earlier, but nonetheless. Sure, 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 sure. PlayStation's announced these things. Yeah. So what do you think is is the real percentage chance they went out, they acquired this company of which we have really no idea who they are other than they've worked on Until Dawn? What do you think? Um, I'm going to say low. Why is that? I don't know because <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm looking at the studios that are are listed, right? Yeah. And to me, I feel like if it was, I mean, yes, they're all PlayStation Studios, but you just mentioned like Haven Studios. Why is that not more of a marquee name on there, right? Instead of just under the banner of N More, if Ballistic Moon is a is a partner, I feel like the the people who read these things over would have been like, Hey, this is an oversight. Put it in the end more. Right. Like I, cause I'm with you. I feel like this would have been a bigger deal. Maybe, maybe some lines got crossed and they are, this is like a timed exclusive kind of thing. Sure. Instead of just a, a full on purchase of the studio, but something fishy is going on. I just don't know exactly what that means yeah i don't know if you could uh, like identify oh this is it this is a thing that's happening because again just showing you like the the timeline that was last year i mean like weeks after the activision one we got bungie and they announced it it was public we knew their intentions same with haven i do understand maybe we're part in the activision you know acquisition where things are getting really tense so maybe we start you know huddling up and keeping things closer to the chest, maybe with an announcement uh, of a new studio that would maybe hurt your chances of killing that deal if you're PlayStation. But even then, again, you na- you announced Haven, right? Yeah. You still announced Bungie. Yeah. And so for me, I don't think that that would hurt PlayStation's chances. Maybe some wires got crossed and the person writing up this form was previously working on the project that's at you know ballistic you know uh um, ballistic moon that could very much be a thing but here's the thing that gets a little saucy here right i'm looking at this uh this greenhouse.io board okay and i'm like where does it say ballistic moon it looks like someone did go back and they took ballistic moon's name off of this list interesting so that's where things get yeah a little interesting a little spicy but i don't think that this is it but if sony is keeping it relatively close to the chest it would make sense because they don't have to announce that they've acquired a a company that's not publicly traded so it would make sense if they said hey you know what ballistic moon wait for it just like um uh, with with the other devs as well, and I'm, I'm blanking on their name. Their studio, you see a whole bunch of like, you know, dual sense controllers. Um, I was just, that's what I was looking up. Is it Firewalk? Uh, not Firewalk. No, no, no. It is. Uh, oh, then demolition. Demolition. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so like, because I had that same thought. They had very much. They are leading PlayStation, mm-hmm. but they're not acquired, quote unquote. Exactly. So PlayStation fans, in short. 
don't expect really anything out of this. And I, I would say don't even expect any acquisition talk for the foreseeable future. I think if a, if a partnership is going really well um, and they see some really big potential of where this partnership can go, you'll see we'll a fire. Yeah. You'll see a fire Sprite situation. But until then, I think they're working the best they can with the, with, with XDev to make sure they're pumping out the best games possible. And I think wires just simply got crossed here. There's nothing to see here, Kyle, but you know what there is, Kyle, you know what there is? There's blood in the gosh dang water with this next story that everybody added me for some reason. They wanted me to be violent here. Take it away. Oh, Ryan Easby over at PS Lifestyle writes, Xbox Game Pass hurt sales, Microsoft finally admits. In a reveal that shocks nobody, Microsoft has revealed that Xbox Game Pass causes sales of games on the service to decrease. The reveal comes about thanks to the... the provisional report from the UK Competition and Markets Authority that was produced due to the ongoing investigation into the Microsoft and Activision Blizzard merger and goes against statements from Phil Spencer himself. The report states the following when it comes to Xbox Game Pass. Quote, Microsoft also submitted that its internal analysis shows a uh, a redacted percentage decline in base game sales 12 months following their addition on Game Pass, end quote. This has long been speculated to be the case, but the report provides the first official confirmation of the reality of the situation. This is in sharp contrast to previous statements by Phil Spencer in an interview with LevelUp.com in which Spencer stated, quote, When you put a game like Forza Horizon 4 in Game Pass, you instantly have more players on the game, which is actually leading to more sales of the game. Some people have questioned that, but when State of Decay 2 launched, you saw if you looked in the U.S. at the NPD, you saw this game selling really well the month it launched on Game Pass, end quote. And in an updated statement by Microsoft states, Quote, we're focused on helping game creators of all sizes maximize the total financial value they receive through Game Pass. Each game is unique, so we work closely with creators to build a custom program to reflect what they need, ensure they are compensated financially for their participation in the service, and allow room for creativity and innovation, end quote. Oh boy, oh geez, oh my, oh my goodness. First off, y'all, I gotta ask y'all a question, because everybody was hyped with this with this question. Why do y'all tag me with this? Why they're like, hey Joe, we want you to see, we want you to get violent. We we know that the Hulk's inside Bruce. All right. <laughs> the wolf in sheep's clothing. They're they're ready. <laughs> Just unleash the beast. And I say, <laughs> why? Why is that? Because uh, I can say I told you so, sure. But what's the fun in that? Uh, you know, I get it. Listen, there's a lot of Xbox folks that listen to the show, a lot of PlayStation folks that listen to the show. We're kind of like the bridge of sanity. I get it. And, and, and sure, sometimes we say things we might not agree with, but you know it's coming from a good place. Um, that being said, we got a ton of questions, so let's just get right into it. Uh, yeah. First one, let's go from DJ Hercules 89 Hey guys, if Game Pass is hurting sales, do you think they should give us a modified version of Game Pass and make it like an extended demo or trial only? Man, PlayStation would love that. <laughs> they don't have to worry about it that much. Yeah, uh, no, no, no. No, they, they don't have to do that. Xbox is nope. doing... This is their bread and butter here, right? This is what they, they want you to be a part of this service uh, because mm-hmm. it's a thing that's making them money if it's just like a demo thing nobody wants it nobody it's it's playstation premium like let's be real at that point or or even if they go the route of like back in the day when we would go to blockbuster rent a game and you have five days yeah 
right? Like, even if that is what Game Pass was, uh, it still wouldn't work. It'd be too much backpedaling for yeah. them to to change, or too much uh, uh, re-educating the, the their gamer base to understand there'd what this a, new Game Pass would be. Yeah, there'd be a whole bunch of there'd be a revolt. There'd be riots in the streets. You yeah, know, yeah, absolutely. You, like you just went back. Why <laughs> on all of it? Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, people would be leaving that platform. It's it's, uh, it's the movie pass debacle all over again. If they <laughs> decide to do that, <laughs> remember <laughs> how bad that went down? It's oh, like Michael man. Scott when he asked for more money. <laughs> it's like, but we paid it's, you. It's yeah. it's the Scott's Tots episode of The Office. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> <laughs> if you know, you know. If you know, you know, and you can't hide that pain. Kevin nope. Ainsworth writes in, "Hey guys, regarding Game Pass question, I have." to ask why are people forgetting that developers and publishers get paid to include their game in game pass and for indie games it can often pay for the entire development costs just look at mike rose from no more robots and what he said or talked about on twitter the whole cannibalizing sales narrative fails to take into account and i assume it's because uh, most only think about the big triple a games which tend to be multi-platform so they'll only sell on other consoles but is still a big chunk of money from Xbox. So, who cares? Generally wondering why people are freaking out. I'm kind of with Kev. Agreed. Yeah, it's not like they're, they go to these devs like, hey, can we put on Game Pass? And that's it. No, they are financially uh, compensated, compensated for that. Yeah. Same thing on PS Plus for the games of the month. Those devs are given some money to have that be a part of that program. Yeah, It's not like devs are, are, are not uh, uh, just throwing away money and be right. like, you know, as long as they're they're people play this game, we're good. If that was the case, they would have made the game free to play. Right, and I mean, it goes with the, the the statement that Microsoft said, which is we're focused on helping game creators of all sizes maximize total financial value through Game Pass. So you know, it goes back to like the Power Wash devs. Power Wash devs had an exclusive launch on Xbox. Yep. You know, they were exclusive on Game Pass, and because of all those things. It, the money that Microsoft gave them was that of their development costs and then some. Now, listen, there's going to be a day, and I'm not sitting here and telling you and denying it, that the payout for Game Pass will not be worth it. We're seeing it right now with Netflix. We're seeing it right now with streaming services in general, right? You're either getting those big AAA, you know, or, or big budgeted productions, or you're getting nothing at all, or you're getting the dumb reality TV shows that are just haunting, you know, Netflix where people are dating each other with wearing like weird goat masks, odd stuff over there. But like, they're dressed Good up show. like an alien. No, stop. Please stop. Please stop. <laughs> you're hurting my point when you, when you talk about sets. But like, it, 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 you know, there may be a future where that is the case. And you do see some publishers kind of push back from the Game Pass ideas. You know, De uh, Devolver being one of those that you don't really see a lot on game pass a deal has to be very lucrative for them to jump on so there are publishers and devs that don't like it and so they just don't publish many of their games there but yeah to me it's not hurting anybody so who really cares is where i kind of fall on this i don't know i i, I can't be angry i can't unleash the no yeah i agree path. yeah yeah no. Because, like, usually how it works is, for, for most games, I mean, we're going to talk about the PlayStation Plus month this month, which is incredible, but most games have a tail, 
And once that tale is about to be done, they'll knock on a PlayStation door. They'll knock on an Xbox door. They'll knock on whosoever door and go, hey, listen, we got this game as critically acclaimed last year. What? How much would you want if we wanted to put it on, you know, PlayStation Plus? If we were a good fit for Game Pass, how much would you give us? And then they give them that number. And if it's good for them, they sign on the dotted line. And if it's not, they walk away from it. Just simple as that. So I, I I think listen, the I, the anger here is at AAA games, and it, and it it goes back to what I've stated earlier. The AAA games that you're seeing launch day and day outside of like an exclusive out of Xbox, are AAA games that are particularly either spinoffs, or they are new IP that are untested. So you know, for example, Back for Blood, right? That game, new IP, um as much as in, in acclaimed as that studio is, it's a big risk for a company like WB saying, Hey, yeah, we'll pour a hundred plus million dollars into this game. So what's a good risk if they head on over to Microsoft and see if they can get a good deal for this game where you get free word of mouth from, and then maybe PlayStation players hear all the love coming from the Xbox side going, you know what? Let me check out this game and buy it on PlayStation afterwards. Similar to that of like, um, you know, um, uh, what was it? Oh my God. Outriders of last year, mm. right? A lot of PlayStation people here in the good positive pr- place, uh, uh, you know, praise, they go and they jump on it. So there is something to say of word of mouth. It may actually be helping PlayStation that some of these AAA games are on Xbox. It's not the craziest thought. Every time when a, a friend of mine goes, Oh, I got this game on Game Pass, I'm like, Yeah, I, I got it on PlayStation. They're like, Why would you pay more? Because I got trophies. It's just that simple. So, not to mention how beneficial Game Pass is for games like it will be the show on the <laughs> Xbox platform where that game, those devs make so much money on the in game uh, microtransactions and whatnot. Like, having that game be a part of that Game Pass system is beyond lucrative yeah. for, for them. So, it works both ways. Hey, Kyle, you want to get the next question here? Sure. M9 Prime writes in, uh, Oh, did I skip one? No, I and, totally did skip one. Yeah, and Johnson. And Johnson writes in, hello, gents. Hope you're doing well. Bouncing off uh, the Muffin Man, uh, Kevin Ainsworth, the focus on Game Pass gives developers a platform to be able to show off their games while still receiving compensation for being on that platform. The intention for Xbox is to create an ecosystem that exposes gamers to games they may never have heard of before and get people to buy into being able to play on whatever, wherever. While the games aren't selling as well, do you think all of the above stated realistically negatively impacts the developers? Or do you think this is more of a gripe because people aren't seeing the quote-unquote normal dollar signs if they weren't on the platform? Uh, So another point to be made here. First off, I think what people are most upset about is they caught Phil Spencer in a lie. And you don't get to catch Phil Spencer often um, talking out of his ass, right? He was Mm -hmm. here. And that listen... What he states there is is maybe exceptions to the rules or stretching of truth or telling a half truth, um, because yeah, there's there's no doubt about it. It's like water is wet, the sky is blue. It's like obviously, it's gonna well, impact sales on that platform. Yeah, Kyle, go for it. And I th- I think go for it. Yeah, yeah. The the Speak from I'm trying to th- I'm trying to form it in my brain. It was there and then it's gone, and now I'm trying to Want get me to come back. back to you? No, uh, so like the games he suggest- he mentioned, like Forza Horizon Four and State yeah. of Decay Two, right? Those I think are in a different category. Those are first party exclusives. Right. 
So of course they will sell well afterwards. But when you look at other games that are in Game Pass, let's say if it's not a major gigantic quadruple A or triple A game, yeah, and it doesn't do all that well word of mouth wise or critically, they're gonna try it, they're gonna abandon it, and then they're gonna tell all their friends that, oh no, that game's not great, and then who's gonna buy that game afterwards? Nobody. Well, I mean So like i I think it can go both ways. I've had I've had conversations with friends where it's like one person didn't like it, it was like, ah well it's not gay pass, I'll give it a shot. So like like it, it does eliminate risk in that regard. So I'll yeah, push but back a little once bit. Once on it's that. once it's out off a of Game Pass oh, though, Game no Pass. one's gonna buy it. I mean, sure. And I also think uh the, the kind of strength slash weakness that Microsoft has here is when you take a look at like games sold for them I have to say for the most part, the, the majority of games sold are always going to be on like PlayStation or Switch right xbox is usually in third place when it comes to the sales aspect of things Mm -hmm. so really to entice players and what they're trying to do to build that base of players up um is they're trying to say hey we're trying to get a mass amount of you and we we're talking a crazy amount of you to come onto the service to play these big triple a games like your halos your gears of wars and whatever we're trying to amass this huge number so that this is a sustainable thing for us that we could then say hey listen the projects of our 30 to 40 plus xbox exclusives are totally paid off and you don't have to worry about your game selling at 60 or 70 dollars anymore that's just off the table. It's going to take a big number to do that. I bet the number that they would like to hit is around 100 million you know, Game Pass users. So that means both on PC and Xbox, they want that big chunk. So that now every month you're getting a massive amount of, of money in. So then those big production costs that we see are getting more and more expensive suddenly are a bit alleviated because of this big you know, cash flow that comes in every month. But there's an equal amount of a huge risk when doing that. So the the point that I'm trying to make here is, yes, you know, it, it, it impacts sales of more so Xbox games. But I'm betting you the people that are taking the Game Pass deals, they're pretty good deals if they're taking them. It's not like a developer is saying, oh, I have I know this game's going to sell 40,000 units. So I'm good. No, they're saying, Hey, I will take the, you know, a hundred grand that I'm getting here because I don't know how much this game is, is mm. going to hit publishers and developers are very, it's odd. They're, they're very realistic when it comes to what they're expecting when it comes to sales of their games. You know, I've talked to a few of them and they're like, yeah, we're expecting 10,000, 20,000, 30. Like it's, it's not these wild, huge numbers. So if you could get a huge payout from your game and now suddenly you don't have to worry about where your next paycheck is coming from, that is fine by you. So I don't see this as again, the huge negative here that like, you know, PlayStation number one fan wants me to tackle on. I do, and I will say when we talk about it a little later, prefer the way PlayStation's going about it, though. I do prefer the, hey, listen, this game from last year, really great. PlayStation allowed the game to have the long tail at the end, right? And then goes, hey, we heard so much great things about this game. Let's give it another spotlight by putting it on our service. I do prefer that. A little bit more if I was the developer. So, Same. Yeah. Uh, lastly, M9 Prime writes in with this question. 
PlayStation's competing service, PlayStation Plus Extra, seems to be a less aggressive version of Game Pass. I don't know, I don't know, maybe see those games. There aren't many day one games on there, and even all the Sony first, per, uh, first party games are not on the service. Do you think Sony is doing a Game Pass in a way that doesn't hurt sales but helps publishers get paid? Or the fact that most games uh, don't make it day one makes people lose interest uh, by the time the game comes to the service? Also, why do you think all PlayStation first party games are not on PlayStation Plus six months to 12 months after release? Kyle, take it away, good sir. I mean, I, I, I you just mentioned it. I, I, I think they make a ton of money before they head to the service because they're big, giant games. Yeah. People want to play them day one. They spend the $60, $70 or more for collector's editions. And a year later, once they made the most or a huge chunk of money doing it that traditional way, then yeah, they'll come to the service and, and, and be for the people who already have a huge backlog of games yeah. or subscribe to this as a way to uh, keep this very expensive hobby uh, financially uh, viable for them. Yeah. Um, I, I, I will say that it is a double-edged sword. Cause I think of when, a game not coming out day one on a on a service or a platform if people lose interest. That happened with me with the second Tomb Raider game. Sure. Like when it was on Xbox for a year and I was super excited for that series, but then a year later came to PlayStation and then I forgot about it. Or it yeah. took me even longer to finally play it. So that does happen, but monetarily, I think they're I think Sony's studios are making a ton of money the way they're doing it now yeah and everything added if they're on this service is just the cherry on on top and this is why we're a playstation podcast for the thing i'm about to say playstation's games the reason why they're not day and date on you know day one uh is for two reasons playstation cannot afford that man that is that is you're talking about 300 plus million dollar games being made and now even growing by the day uh, day one that is a that is a huge risk even if you're a billion dollar company to go yeah yeah the, this 15 dollar service will will that'll attract enough people to get on the service and for the type of games playstation makes you know it's you know for the quote-unquote one and dones once you're done with god of war you're off that service so it doesn't make sense for sony's portfolio and the way they, they make money to opt into a service like this their games are events we say it every time. It's like the mm-hmm. goddamn MCU. Like every superhero movie, man. You're in it for the ride. You're in it for probably the narrative. But you you know what you're getting is going to be one of the best games that year. PlayStation has a strength of almost every, if not every other year, being a game of the year game or being a game of the year conversation game that holds a whole lot of power and xbox though they've had great years like two years ago don't have those enough their catalog they don't have those event games that people are going to go to and pay and chill out 60 70 dollars for they just don't or else the game pass wouldn't be working like this now they're trying to change that with like bethesda with starfield you know with uh you know with arcane with with redfall and you know those 
they're trying to make moment games and with the cool shadow drops of like high five rush they're trying to get some excitement of like oh yeah anything is kind of possible through this thing they're trying to get variety and they're trying to be different but at the same time going yeah starfield we're we're working to make that thing so everybody stops notices pays attention and subscribes onto game pass for this thing especially to whatever else they have like hellblade 2 and, and whatever have you they're trying right now that's why they're acquiring all these studios they want the in the moment games because right now in truth in my opinion they don't have that so that's why playstation doesn't have to and yeah when you have games like god of war ragnarok that sell 11 plus million units in less than three months what's your incentive to put it on there after six months mm -hmm. none yeah you're gonna let that tail ride out until there's nothing left kind of like right now what we're seeing with horizon forbidden west which we'll get about to in just a few minutes where it's now on service it's been a year it's they've gotten their day one sales their first three month sales they gotten the bundled sales and now they're seeing if they can incentivize the people that held off long enough to get on the service. And not everybody's like that. So there you go. That's why PlayStation don't do it. Uh, and they don't need to. Uh, and, and there's a cool feeling of like, yeah, I'm typically not into like a game like Returnal, but oh, I see it on the service. Well, I'll give it a shot because I played Miles Morales. I loved it. You know, and I got nothing else to do. Let me give it a shot. And then that becomes, you know, their favorite game. So to me, there is strength in the way Sony does it. There is strength in the way Microsoft does it. They're just playing to each other's strengths. Ooh, wee, that was a TED talk, right, Kyle? Was I talking reasonable or was I talking a little no, crazy? Of course you were. You're always the, the, the highly intelligent voice here on the show. I don't know. I think I got rocks for brains, Kyle. I think I'm real I, dumb. I don't think so. I don't uh, think so. I'm a big old idiot. All right, listen, Kyle, That's 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 been the news this week. A little slow, but a little exciting. Well, tantalizing. Yeah. Now it's time to talk about PlayStation VR 2. And we are joined we by our good friend, Steve. Take it away, edit. And joining us to talk about their experience with PlayStation VR 2 and Horizon Call of the Mountain. Steve from Console Creatures, how are you, sir? Gentlemen, I am doing fantastic. I'm so happy to be sitting alongside you guys to talk about PSVR 2. It's been a while, um, especially with you, Kyle. I, I feel like I know, we, yeah. we haven't been able to cross paths in quite some time. I know. It's I'm strange. always hanging out with Joe. Which, yeah. I know. I'm hey, sorry. I love it. No, <laughs> no, no. no, no, no. I, I love our chats. But, I apologize. Um, no, I'm I'm stoked to be here. So thank you guys. Thank you guys for the uh, invitation to come back. Of course. Of course. Hey, jinx. And you know, listen, we're really excited to talk about PlayStation VR 2 with you. We're huge believers in the platform. I love VR. I just want more PlayStation goodness And when it comes to VR. Um, so for me, I want to know about the ins and outs of this thing. So, you know, I know some of our fans want to as well. So, Kyle, how about you yeah. read the first question that's going to kick off this whole conversation here for us. absolutely from green gorilla gamer sup boys between august of 2022 and january of this year i managed to acquire an xbox one s in august a ps3 slim a psvr and a ps5 in january i have no shortage of games to play and a quad digit backlog to enjoy i'd only experienced vr a week and a half before i got my own which influenced me to buy my own lol but i must admit this one is older than the one i played metaquest 2 the wands aren't great, and the cables... Oh, the cables. 
So my question is, does the PSVR 2 improve on a lot of aspects that weren't exactly great from the PSVR? Is it worth dropping double checks price for the hundredth time, a thousand effing dollars Canadian for it? There's definitely a lot of games which are cool, but is this something I can wait a couple years on or do I need to get it now? So this is the question that's going to be the underlying question for this whole this whole conversation because the tech seems amazing. The mm-hmm. games seem great and look great. But before we get into all of that, Steve, I want to know walking in what is your experience with VR? I know there are a lot of people that got it and they're just like, this is my first VR experience. Some mm-hmm. are incredibly seasoned. So I want to know where you fall in that ladder. Uh, just like you, I am a believer, uh, spelled just VR, you know, That's get rid right. of the E in there, you know, <laughs> you don't need it. Um, yeah, going even further back than PSVR, uh, I was a staunch believer in in the tech and everything, uh, whether it's in video games, entertainment, or even just, you know, outside of the, like, outside industries adapting uh, VR into their, um, you know, businesses and everything. I, I, I think it's a great piece of technology. Speaking to PSVR, I thought it was a very great system, a gr- very great first step especially within the console space i think it was overly ambitious for sony to get into it um i think the the main draw was that while the ideas were there the hardware just wasn't what it should have been i mean you look at stuff like the the requirements of the move controller which at that point were, were already years old uh uh the the camera and stuff like that it was just like okay well you have this really great headset one that's comfortable one that actually works like like provides like a really good graphical fidelity yeah. at, for the time, but then it's all being held back by archaic peripherals. So, so it, it just didn't really add up to me. So, as as much as I liked it, it was one of those things where it was like, okay, I I enjoy playing you know the Batman experience, this yeah. and that. Beat Saber came out that took over my life for a couple of months, and I was like, well, this processing unit that I have to plug into my PlayStation Ugh. Four ain't working for me uh so this is just going <laughs> sadly going into the yeah. cupboard <laughs> so it seems like playstation's like listen we understand the hardware the idea or sorry the ideas were there the hardware wasn't you're right i think there was like it was just an amalgamation of like previous ideas from playstation that kind yeah. of failed into this big vr unit and it was a hit for them and so much so that they wanted to dive deeper into this tech. And even for me, I'm I'm I fall the same exact way with you. Where, yeah, I I love VR. I, PlayStation VR was my first. And even even holding it the first time, I'm like, I know this tech isn't all the way here. So now with the tech finally arriving, and it seems like VR is having all new types of um, iterations of hardware. I want to ask you, has the hardware kept up? Is the PlayStation VR 2 the true next step that PlayStation needed in terms of build quality? Without a doubt. Like, I'll, I'll put, like, it's just, without a doubt, period, end cap. Like, uh, the upgrades themselves are just undeniable. Um, I, I think one of the cool things is, is that... To their credit, they kept a lot of the the design philosophy from the original PSVR. They kept everything that worked and threw what didn't work out out and slammed the door behind it. Like this right here, the Sense controller, 
this this to me is what the dual sense is for console controllers in terms of just innovation um adapting like great uh new philosophies in terms of what 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 you can do in t- uh, the console space i think this is what it's going to be doing f- uh, the new sense controller is going to do that for vr i i really think that translating stuff like adaptive triggers haptics and building them not only into a controller but the headset themselves like the haptics built into the controller game changer i i love that for the console space i think that just makes up for so many uh great immersive experiences like the potential's really there um you got you know everything from 4k uh 120 hertz support i think that's awesome uh it really does feel like when you look at PlayStation 5 and yeah. PlayStation VR 2, they are there, there's a synergy there. It's it's together. It doesn't feel like okay, well you have your PlayStation 4, but then plays, PSVR kind of feels like a middle step between PS3 and that console. Yeah. These two very much feel like hey, we're in a family together. Um, I was, it's, it's one and the other, yeah. Like Joe, PSVR 1 was also my first foray in VR and I loved it, but after I I had a quest uh, uh, for a little bit and putting that on, I'm like, Oh my God, Uh, that made me realize just how much of like a screen door effect PSVR one had. Right. And and so I'm wondering with this next one is the promise of those OLED screens that are in the VR two and the the high refresh rate. Are they like, uh, is it like crystal clear? Is there so little screen door? Is it like I'm in, Ready Player One. I'm in the virtual world world along with these characters. Yeah, and I think that that full fledged immersion, uh, so far from like the games I've tested, which have been like six games. Um, I I think the the full fledged immersion only is coming out in its true effect with Horizon Call Call of the Mountain. Um, okay. but that said, as soon as you put the the headset on and you see even like the the virtual PlayStation home screen. No screen door effect. You jump into oh, Horizon. Yes. No screen door effect there. It looks like a 4K game. I don't want. I don't want to be as bullish as to say like, oh, it's a one to one experience like that can replicate like mm-hmm. an LG C1 or something like sure. that. Sure. I don't want to go that far as to be like, okay, the contrasts are there. The HDR is just as good. But I will say that comparatively, PSVR 2 is a way more advanced uh, visual setup than previous uh vr headsets that i've used with the odd exception i would say like maybe it's on par or just below a, like a meta quest 2 okay okay i would say it's probably the best conduit in terms of comparison that's that's great to hear because yeah like that screen door effect was very visible especially when you turned off the lights in certain games it's just yeah it, it was there in spades now the other thing that i think in terms of build quality the number one complaint that people had i think or concern rather for playstation vr 2 is that gosh dang cable why can't we just <laughs> untether ourselves from this thing um is the cable really getting in the way? We know that we need it in order to get those high fidelity, to get the 4K and all that stuff. Um, so I, I get it. I understand why I got to be tethered in. But, you know, is it was it a factor to you? Did it get in the way of your experience? And was it, you know, you know, the cable long enough so that you didn't feel like you're going to tug down the tower that is your PlayStation 5? I'll address the first point, or the sorry, the second question uh, first. The the cable length, I think it's like uh, fourteen feet. Like it's considerably long, okay. uh, oh, almost wow. comically okay. long. I'll, I have it right here, actually. 
and it's just it's a it's a long boy uh so <laughs> if you're if you're working in like a pretty uh big living room or like a gaming space you're fine as far as like moving around and everything i'm in a toronto condo so i don't really have a fear of you know tripping over it pulling my playstation off my my media center and everything so to me it didn't really bother me in terms of the length i i will say though in 2023 the fact that we're still being tethered um uh, to a console, uh, like a newborn baby. I, I, I think that's a little bit ridiculous. I understand it. This is a second iteration. Sony is still trying to adapt and everything, but I do think that it's a little, it's a little tough to sell when you have the MetaQuest two cheaper than the PS uh, VR two, and it's wireless. I like. I just don't. I, I can't justify there being a cord. That's that's the one Fair thing enough. that I'm like. You you can't sell me on the fact of like why this is here. All right, can uh-huh. can we uh, wear this comfortably for long gaming sessions? Is it like a comfortable on your on your head? I, I it's been a while since I had the first PSVR on, so sure. I just remember it feeling very like uh, plasticky, toyish almost. Um, yeah. It, how does this one feel? Uh, so because you you guys also have uh, also, you know, I'm gonna try I to, wear I wear glasses. So. Yeah, I'm gonna Sorry, try go to get ahead. I'm gonna try to get PSVR. I know it's yeah. in one of the covers. One sec. You guys have yeah, this sure. nice chat. Okay. I'm not sure. editing this out. I want to get the old boy in here. <laughs> Love that. Love that. Do it. Um, yeah. So for for audio listeners, I have glasses, and that was a huge concern of mine. Of mm-hmm. like, well, am I gonna have to take off my glasses? Which, in that case, there's gonna be like concerns of headaches coming in, or if I wear them. Is this going to start to like impact like the arms on them? Is it going to yeah. give me like, it, it's just going to be uncomfortable so far? No, uh, I've been able to sit through sessions of like, usually I, I try to play for like an hour before I start to get like the fatigue of it all, yeah. uh-huh. uh, the eye fatigue or just, you know, I, I kind of just need to move on. But um, yeah, an hour I dude, it is so lightweight on your head and oh, that's the, awesome. the, the foam, I want to give a big shout out to just the the foam and the the way it's designed to like fit around your head and it still mm-hmm. has that um, the notch. crank wheel yeah yeah so that you can like tighten it to an appropriate uh, tightness and everything. I I think from a comfort level they knocked it out of the park. Um, yeah, I I, I think for people right. that are jumping in for their first time and they're like, okay, I might be a little concerned of like how long I can actually use this. I don't think you guys have to have anything to worry about. Awesome. Uh- yeah. Another thing that VR needs a lot of um, light in the room, right? Can you play in a dark room? You still need no. a lot of light. No. So, yeah. So it does work off of IR uh, sensors yeah. and everything. They're like, a, I don't know if you guys saw it, but they uh, published like a couple teardown videos on mm-hmm. uh, YouTube. Really great insight. If anyone's like really into the the nitty gritty of, of VR technology and stuff, I love that stuff. Um, but there's like a whole bunch of like VR or IR sensors built into the, the sense controller that the new cameras on the VR headset actually pick up. Mm-hmm. So that being said, like, you can play it in kind of like a dimmer environment, but I tried to play it without lights on at, at night. Yeah. No, the, the the headset straight up was like, you got to turn on a light dog and this ain't working. <laughs> it's, it's just not possible. Like, so fair. that's fair. Like, I, I guess you have to turn on a light. Uh, okay. Even if you're the only person in the room, it's kind of yeah, weird, but I, I get it. With, I know with the first one and even uh, uh, the Quest when I had it, like if it wasn't like extremely light in the room, the, the controller would like spaz out and yeah. like uh, it pick up randomly, you know, so. So I, I want to touch on that real quick because 
huge shout out to this uh, new hand tracking uh, technology that they have built in. So far, an entire week's worth of like extensive testing, extensive playing, there's only been one time that the hand tracking just kind of like glitched out and the hand like ended up behind me or something. Oh, really? I don't even think it was like anything that the technology did. It was probably something on me that that I just screwed up, but mm-hmm. I was really impressed by that. It's, it's almost one-to-one. Like I'm playing Horizon Call of the Mountain. I'm playing uh, Kayak VR. Like everything that I'm playing just feels like my hands are where I intend them to be with the that's headset. Awesome. Like, yeah, awesome. I, I don't really have that concern because that's is very surprising. That's actually something that, the concern that I have for the Oculus uh, controller that happens quite a lot for me, yeah. uh, which is like, all right, weird. Also, I tried to get the PSVR out of my cupboard. Uh, it was encased in all the wires. It oh, hissed yeah. at me and then it begged <laughs> me to kill yep. it. So yep. here we are. Kill uh, me. <laughs> That's exactly its sound. <laughs> um, but, you know, M9 Prime writes in, just like you can too, if you head on over to the uh, Trophy Room Discord server, he writes, uh, how well does it accommodate people with glasses? So before we, we touch more on oh. this controller, I do want to know, you're a glasses wearer. Was this comfortable for you? Because they talk a lot about this accordion style like visor that's supposed yeah. to be accommodating for all. Is it true yeah, yeah. Uh, when you stepped away, I was I was speaking to Kyle, oh, uh, just touching on this uh, briefly. But uh, yeah, I, I I'll say it again: the 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 uh, comfort level and the cushions that surround like the the head, mm-hmm. great. I I, nice. I think it's awesome. Though I actually, you talking about the the accordion stuff did bring up one thing: is that at times and I'll, I'll pull this up yeah this is the uh, like the accordion like rubber yeah. it'll get mm-hmm. caught on like the bottom of my glasses that's probably just due to like the size of my okay. glasses i i don't think it's going to be for you know something everyone runs into but yeah it just requires me to like put a finger up and kind of like flick it down mm-hmm. it's it's not oh, a big deal okay. See, seeing that steve uh how well does it block out like the outside light oh so completely. remember Completely. Completely? Okay, because that was an issue with the first one where I would see glimpses of like my floor or outside light and they take it. Yeah. You are beholden to the darkness that is PSVR. Yeah. Uh, But the the really cool thing is that on the bottom here, um, I'll hold it a little closer to the the screen Mm -hmm. there. There's a little button here and that activates the see through view it, okay. which Sweet. is essentially a pass-through mode uh for one of the the cameras on the headset so that you can actually see the world around you in black and white um without having to take the headset off so if That's you're awesome. like oh i'm kind of you know worried i might be you know too close to the couch or i need to like grab a a water bottle and, and yeah. take a sip and everything you're not taking off and putting on the headset over and over again you just pop that little button on and then that's a nice little quality of life. It's kind of weird though. Like it, it's very grating. The first Quest, time I was like, me, "Oh my!" It took me a while. Like, what is happening? Yeah. Yeah. Seeing yeah. your own view from like a yeah. virtual view is like, okay, <laughs> we've made it, boys. <laughs> we've made it. My brain is almost in that robot. Oh uh, yeah. So Strubles and Bits writes in, "Hey guys, question for Steve: How sturdy are the PS? Uh, do the PSVR two controllers feel in your hands? And how long is the battery life? Would you say on them?" Sturdy is is all hack. I, I I'm a huge fan of these controllers. I think just the the ergonomics of yeah. like just simply holding it, like it it just is there. Like yeah. I don't have to really adjust my hand or I feel it looks like so I, satisfying looking yeah. at you holding that. Like it just looks like it fits perfectly. And it, I look a little sad with yeah. this Oculus one. <laughs> and and maybe I wasn't 
paying close enough attention to the pre-rollout of PSVR 2 information and everything, it it never hit me that they didn't have the shoulder button, like the mm-hmm. L1 oh. here. Mm-hmm. So they built it into, and I'll hold it up to the, the camera, the middle finger. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I was like, oh, that's brilliant. Um, yeah. For some reason, that was just something that- uh, How do the really buttons feel? Because with this Oculus one, I'm looking at the competition right here. I'm going to be yeah. honest. They kind of feel a little <laughs> Like they don't feel great. <laughs> They feel mushy, right? Like especially the yeah. one on the middle finger, especially one here. So how how does how do how do the triggers feel on this thing? And it's the sense they're the dual sense controller, but just split. Awesome. Like I'm little little dual sense joy cons, if you will. Um uh, Yeah. Now, there's no to, difference. To ask about something that obviously you talked about in the controllers themselves, but also the headset. How weird is it the first time you get haptic feedback in your head? Right, like, is it is it jarring? Because when they first talked about it, I'm like, who wants to really experience like a, a headshot, headshot in Call of yeah. Duty in VR? Right. Like, right. or is yeah. it just like a nice I, little? I was super thing. worried the first time because they were like, oh, and announcing Creed boxing for PS. <laughs> yeah, right. Cool. I'm just gonna get a concussion the first day. Um, yeah. <laughs> honestly. I'll I'll put it this way. So everyone that has a, a PlayStation Five, I'm sure that they the uh, first thing they did they plugged it in and they booted up Astro's Playroom. And there's that one little sequence where he's like tiptoeing around and you can feel like his his footsteps are like running across the controller. Yeah, okay. It's that, but kind of like on the back of your head, so okay. that if there's uh, I'll draw it back to Horizon. If there's a threat, like if one of the machines are around and it like swivels from like your right side, you kind of feel like the the reverberations off off the side. Oh of your head. wow! It's it's super subtle. You so wouldn't be like, like oh, that's irritating. Almost, yeah. Kyle, yeah it's, don't it's sell me on Spider Man like... VR here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got me too hyped. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, and 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 it also goes to the the controllers themselves. Like if you're climbing in uh, Call of the Mountain and you you know hit your hand on a rock, you feel it. Mm. like in a very subtle way it's, it's not annoying it's not uh, intrusive or anything it just adds to that overall immersion and uh honestly some of those subtle cues and everything i was like oh man like i just want more of this this is, feels really good and the, cool. the the one question that i cut you off with battery life how, how many times have you charged this so far so i've charged it uh sadly th- uh, about f- three times okay <laughs> um the the curse of batteries persists here sony just cannot figure it out sadly uh i'm getting about five hours of battery life on a on a on a sense controller uh thankfully they seem to charge around 45 minutes to an hour Um, but i guess then once you start to balance in like i don't know anyone that's going to be playing vr for five hours at a time in one sitting so is it really that much of a con I don't know, it, but when you put that number next to like a battery life, I do think that it it's kind of sad. It, yeah, yeah it, it's kind of a, a bummer there, but yeah, it, it hasn't affected me playing PSVR 2. It hasn't been like, oh, pick it up and oh, can't play it. It's right. been more of like towards the end of a PlayStation, uh, play session, I'll get a notification on the screen. Being okay. like low low battery. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll I'll charge it that way. Yeah. I'm good to go for the next one. Okay. All right. Before before we get to the main attraction, yeah. the yeah. Rising Call of the Mountain. Yeah. Uh does this come with like a uh like a VR demo thing? Like Astro's Playroom from the first one? Or no? Dude, is it's so funny. I was writing my 
my review today actually uh, to go out tomorrow. And that was the one thing that hit me. I was like, you know, the value proposition is it asks a lot for the consumer, right? Like it's a beefy price yeah. tag and everything. And then it dawned on me. I was like, well, if someone is, you know, really eager to, to pick this up and they never purchased a, a PSVR, so they don't have a back catalog of games to bring over, they have to fork out an extra $80 in order just to, to play anything. I That's wish, I, I wish, and this would have given Sony so much good grace for players if they had the means to say Horizon is, is free to play. Like mm-hmm. it just is bundled in. It's an Astros playroom kind of thing, but I do understand it. And we'll talk about it a little more once we start talking about that game specifically. Yeah. But I do wish that there was like an Astros playroom kind of demo that not only showcases the the hardware here, but mm-hmm. acts as like a full fledged game that people can actually get in and sink their teeth into. Um, because that, I do that, think that's a missed opportunity. That first one that came with the VR one was the first thing I did when I had yeah. my PSVR. Same, yeah. And like I cried because it was so breathtaking. Like it right. was just like and then that like laid the the seeds to rescue rescue ugh, rescue mission. Cause there was like sure. an Astro platforming thing. It was like, oh my yeah. God, this is like I'm that's a platformer boy. I was blown away. Yeah. Like, For sure. I want more platformers from here. And like the the cool headset thing with like the monster coming out and the things that the girls, my nieces loved playing with me from the yeah. outside and also putting it on like it's a bummer that they don't have something or like a playstation world's equivalent like yeah. right exactly. out of the game. yeah i think it's a huge missed opportunity on their part so let's talk about the games man uh you know highlight some of you know because you played six of them this is gonna be an hour-long podcast just this interview alone <laughs> it's, it's gonna be huge so you know run run through the ones that were your highlights that took advantage of the playstation vr2 and the showcase i i think we'll go dive in deeper that is horizon so go for it yeah yeah so uh, so i'll save the the real in-depth talk of horizon for for a little later but some uh highlights include moss 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 one and moss two i think both of them translate very well from psvr to psvr2 i think i think when we look at like a lot of these catalog uh games for psvr2 it's kind of going to be the same conversation that we're having with from ps4 to ps5 where it is Mm. like oh it's a it's a nominal upgrade it adds on sense controls or uh dual sense uh haptics and adaptive triggers and stuff like that i think a lot of that conversation is going to be had here as well um when you look at games that have already been on vr headsets and stuff like that and just coming over here um so I don't know if there are any like huge uh, highlights for me right now, mm-hmm. um, aside from Horizon. I think all of them, bar none, are taking advantage of you know better frame rates, better fidelity, this the the sense uh, haptics and stuff like that. But I don't think that we're really at that point where we're hitting like AAA bangers after bangers from uh, AAA or uh, third party developers right now. Um, mm-hmm. Because sadly, I haven't been able to try resident evil village yet that okay. one that one Fair wasn't enough. available uh same with gran turismo 7 that uh that vr mode wasn't available to me either so in terms of like the triple a must play games it's all kind of been horizon and then kind of just seeing the the uh small kind of upgrades to previously existing games all right fair enough did yeah. you play a little bit of demio 
So I just got a code in for that. Nice. Uh, it, it's one of those things where like over time, like more codes have been coming in. So Absolutely. this is probably going to be like a two week endeavor of kind of parsing <laughs> through the games and going through them. Yeah. There's another game um, where it was like a space bartender, essentially. I, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking oh. on the name right now. I'm, I'm yeah. pulling it up. Um, but yeah, there a lot of games coming through. Um, Job Simulator just came okay. through yeah. as well. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that one. I love the original Job Simulator. So bringing it over to PSVR 2, I think that's going to be really cool. But um, yeah, yeah it's you, a lot of catch up. Yeah. Uh, did you get to play this that Star Wars game or no? Yes. Oh, I like a good Star Wars. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, the only thing and... So I never played it on any other headset or anything. So I don't know if this is an issue um, on any other kind of hardware or anything. Okay. But I did feel a little bit of motion sickness playing that game only because taking some of the uh, the sharp turns felt a mm. little jarring with the, the locomotion and stuff like okay. that for me. Uh, that being said, a lot of the other games, I haven't been feeling any kind of motion sickness. I've been able to play like upwards of an hour uh, before like the eye fatigue kind of hits in and stuff sure, like that. Sure. Uh, with the one exception of kayak uh vr mirage that's the one that as soon as i started paddling away on there i was like oh i can only probably sit uh you know maybe 10 minutes in here before i got bounced this is not doing well on the old stomach i got i got i gotta get the c bands on all right yeah exactly and that is still going to be an issue for people that want to try vr there's no easy solution for that either none so let's then just get right into it horizon Call of the Mountains. How is it? Is it? Uh, do you see the reason why Sony picked up this? Uh, picked up the studio. When oh I my saw god! This game? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Thank God they have this game because this, I think, is equal parts demo of everything that the PSVR is capable of. It, it proves the technology is there, but also acts as this is our Half Life, Alex. Okay. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, where this is a full-fledged AAA game. It's not, hey, this is... Uh, it's not an know, experience, right? It's, it's not, not Arkham experience. VR. No, this is a game uh, from from top to bottom. Like I said, you put you start out the, the game and it, you're in the world of Horizon. You're in the post-apocalyptic world. You're looking around, you're seeing the tall necks come in and you're like, oh, man. Oh, no, no way. Like, this is actually real. And... I'm getting, I'm getting goosebumps oh. just thinking about looking up and seeing a tall. And man. how massive do they look like to you? Do they like, do they look like, oh my god, that is huge, or do they look somewhat like comical? Those necks be tall, Joseph. <laughs> those necks be tall. They're, they like it's actually wild how how much the scale kind mm. of shifts when you're, you know, Aloy third person and everything, and then you're uh, Reyes in in this one, a brand new character. Um, and you're kind of put into this VR experience, this first person VR experience, and you're looking around and you see, you know, the different machines come in or even just like climbing and taking a look over a mountain and everything, just the scale and the scope of this game is like, holy hell. Now, I mean, obviously it is kind of like on rails where you're just like put down a linear path. Mm, uh, sure. You can't really explore all that much like an overworld game. But that being said, like going through it and climbing, you're like, oh, this feels like a world I'm in versus i'm looking at like awesome. a painting or something so does My, this feel like i'm sorry kyle i'm gonna cut yep. you off because i feel like this okay. question's better and i'll fight you on it later sure. uh do you when, when you're thinking about this game what would you describe it is it a puzzle game is it a is it is it an action game is this somewhat of a walking sim where do you put 
call of the mountain to you? What are you feeling like you're doing the most there? Because I feel I, like I hit, the hands-on impressions, they, they all sound great, but I don't get a good gist of like what this game is. So it is very much a kind of like, I don't I don't mean this in like a pejorative way or like a negative. It's, it's very much like uh, there's a point of repetition where uh, you're Reyes and you're kind of like this acclaimed like, mountain climber essentially where they're like you got the skills to climb these these huge mountains you gotta go out on this quest and he's like all right uh so a lot of the a lot of each level of the game is just climbing which i think is just really fun uh, along the way you get new tools like pickaxes to kind of put into like soft stone uh the rope caster uh so you can create your own ropes and like kind of swing and stuff like that Ooh. um so it is very much a traversal simulator versus just like a walking simulator i, I think uh, i think there is a, a lot more elevation versus like you're you're not walking as if you were playing gone home or something right it is more elevated like you are doing stuff um and then each uh each each mission i would say probably has two or three action sequences where you are pulling out your bow and arrow and fighting off the the machines um so it's not it's not constant but it, mm -hmm. it's there to keep you engaged enough Fair enough. And that leads into what I was going to ask is when I think Horizon, I think of just how frenetic and fast those combat sequences are. Yeah. Is in VR, is it that like overwhelming? Do you have to be on your toes or is it very much they're in front of you and then you kind of really only have to focus on looking in front, right? And, and taking out the the, yes. the arrows and whatnot. So, so w when you enter into like a battle arena, you're essentially like on the edge of it and you're kind of just oh, like shifting it. and circling around, like hitting okay. the uh, the right uh, thumbstick to like go this way or go to the you're left. left. Yeah, exactly. You're shimmying and, and the enemies typically stay in the middle. Um, so okay. it is very much designed in a way where you're not having to like run side to side and kind of uh -huh. do all that. Um, but as soon, dude, as, as soon as Reyes takes out his crossbow, I, I feel like I've just stepped into the world of being Hawkeye. Like this is Hawkeye Simulator 101 where I'm I'm like because like you actually have to like pull out your arrow from one Sweet. shoulder and then pull out your arrows from the other shoulder and just kind of oh, go cool. through it. And then if you twist your arm like upwards, like your palms facing up, uh, it shows yeah it shows like the the array of like different arrows so like a fire arrow shock arrow a tear uh tear arrow and stuff like that so you do get to uh, play with like the elements similar to what aloy does in the in the main game and stuff like that so there is some parallels there nice. um but it it feels so satisfying when you land like a critical shot you see the piece of armor fly off you see the numbers jump up like you hit them for 50 and you're like oh Yes, I did. Like it, <laughs> and I don't mean this in like a hyperbolic way, but there are similar satisfac satisfactory moments to hitting uh, an arrow shot as hitting uh, someone with Kratos's Leviathan axe. There's something just about holding, like feeling like you're holding the the bow, pulling back, drawing back, and hitting an arrow. That just feels like you're throwing the axe, pulling it back, and feeling that reverberation in your hand. You're like, oh, that just feels made for this like gaming experience. That's similar to what I get out of uh, Horizon. It never gets old. Um, I haven't beaten the game yet, but going through it like level by level, I'm like, I'm just here for it. And it is what the driving force of me being every day. Like, I want to put on the headset. I want to get back into this world and play this game. 
That's awesome. And now, though you haven't finished it, you're seeing the story line up. And I'm not expecting like a Rogue One here, right? Yeah, um, right. I, I, you know, does this story hold up on its own? And does it feel like an additive experience for those of whom who love Horizon? It holds up on its own, definitely. Like, if you've never played Zero Dawn or Forbidden West, jumping into this, they kind of catch you up on the gist of what's what gone. you're doing. Not so yeah. much of, like, what Aloy has been doing and the overall, like, you know, what happened a thousand years ago and what like, all that stuff. Like, it, no, it doesn't really do that, but it gives you enough so that you can go through the game and kind of enjoy it uh, from a narrative perspective. As As far as it being, like, a must-play thing, I'm still not sure. Of like story wise, like yeah, I'm still not sure. Like if this is just a thing of hey, this character exists in this world alongside like Aloy's out there. I mean, it's no spoiler. Yeah. You, she shows up um, in a meaningful capacity. Um, but in terms of like, oh, in Horizon Three, are they going to reference this guy? Probably not. Mm-hmm. I don't really, I don't really see that being the case. Um, this is very much just a quest of like find your brother. And I don't know what that's going to end up leading to. It, hey, I could be totally wrong here. And in a week's time, I, I could come back on the show and be like, listen, you guys have to play this game. Because wait for the after the, the post credit right. uh, sequence. Uh, Kang but I just, shows up. Exactly. It's, it's the multiverse. Um, yeah. But I, so far, I'm just like, I think this is more of just a bubbled experience uh, where you do get to just exist in the horizon world and kind of interact and know, like interact with enemies and stuff like that. And just have that, have that uh, thought of like, okay, I'm here. I'm, I'm in the same world as Aloy. I have all this back knowledge for hardcore fans. I have all this back knowledge to what led this world to get here. I think that's very interesting, but in terms of, is it as impactful as diehards might be hoping for? I think it's too early for me to say, but I don't, I, my gut instinct is probably not. Okay. okay. Now let's. Oh, I'm sorry, Kyle. Yeah. yeah no. Uh, Kyle I, I from the a, trophy room. Would you like? Yeah. To? Hi. Hello. Hi. Um, question not about Horizon or uh, any of the games because uh, it popped in my head that uh, with my quest and even with VR one, uh, one of my favorite things to do would be like boot up Netflix, right, and do theater mode and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Do do any of like the streaming services. Uh, that are on ps5 do they have like a theater mode and is it comparable or is it just like you know you're staring at a blank wall and a screen kind of thing so as far as i know and it's funny because i've only tested it with games so far sure. the, the stream okay. I, I have to assume that there's parity b- between uh yeah. video content and gaming content but don't quote me on it yeah but um yeah it, it, you're essentially in cinematic mode you're just Straight pulling up, up a yeah. a PlayStation 4, a 5 screen and you're going through your cross media bar selecting that it pulls it up the okay. the thing that does kind of suck is that it's relegated to 1080 mm. okay uh, frame rates are still there like if you're playing games it's upwards of um up to 120 hertz but you're not getting 4K on this thing um mm-hmm. again i think it's a really cool additive feature yeah I, it again, it's it's never going to replace me sitting down in front of my TV to oh, know, like Dead Space or something not. like that. Yeah. But if my partner wants to play or, or watch something and I'm really invested or I have to review a game, maybe mm. I'll put it on the PSVR too and just kind of sit there. Okay. Um, maybe, mm. but like, yeah, it's, it's definitely not going to be my first choice. 
Got it. So let's wrap this up with a nice old bow here there, Steve. Do you recommend going all the way back to Green Gorilla's, uh, you know, gamer's question here? Do you recommend this thing? And for whom do you recommend? So I I strongly recommend it for people who believe in VR. I think if you walked away from PlayStation VR and you're like, I love the tech. I love what Sony is doing here. I just need more of it. This is it. This is a contemporary entry into VR for Sony. I think this stands to uh, deliver solid games just as much as PlayStation 5 does. But that becomes a matter of like a lot of trust Mm. that PlayStation fans are kind of accustomed to when they come out with the Vita and PSVR. And now we got PSVR 2. It's like... We only know, you know, 30 plus launch window games, quote unquote, Beat Sabers down the line. But what does fall look like? What does the summer look like? I don't really know. So does someone need to fork out $750 Canadian? Um, it's it. If you believe in VR, yes, go go out buy this. It sucks that Horizon isn't there, uh, packaged in um, for no extra cost. Obviously, you can get the bundle, um, or there's no like demo stuff. But if you're into VR and you believe in the technology, I think you're you'll be pleasantly surprised. That being said, if you're not and you just got your PlayStation Five because you know it's been very hard to find one for the past few years, and you're like. Do I need to jump into PlayStation VR 2 knowing that, you know, Horizon's there and some older games are being ported over and upgraded? Probably not. You can kind of wait it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but rest assured, I, I strongly, strongly believe Call of the Mountain sets the precedent of this is what Sony is capable of. If they can do this and bring in a God of War game, a, a Spider-Man game down the line, like we are in a good shape because I think that PlayStation VR 2 can support those kinds of, uh, and I keep going back to experiences. They're not experiences. They are games, but you know what I mean? Like the experience (laughs) of being in VR experience of living in this world. I think PSVR 2 can do that. Yeah. That's awesome. And that's, uh, you you spoke to what I, I feel like with this console where it's all going to come down to the Sony support. It's all going to come down to first party third-party AAA experiences that we get on here is going to make or break this console. So, Steve, I want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to talk to us about PlayStation VR 2. Where can people find you before we set you on out of here? Yeah, no, thank you guys for bringing me on. It's always a blast to talk to you guys about everything PlayStation. I I love your audience. Your audience is always very great to me. So thank you all uh, out there uh, for listening to my words. But you guys can find me across the internet at SVigvari. You can also find my work on mobile syrup, iPhone in Canada, console creatures. there's a bunch of stuff, but you know, uh, it's a lot. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's awesome to see you literally everywhere as you continue to grow, um, see you in bigger and even better places is amazing to see. I, I love uh, to see you. when my buddies do well. Uh, Steven, thank you so much with that. Let's get back to the show. Boy. Oh boy. VR two is going to change my life for the better. Kyle. Ooh-wee, I can't wait ooh-wee. next week. That's I'm so right. excited. After talking with Steve, I'm I'm even more hyped to yeah to experience Horizon and and just be back in the VR world. It's been a mm-hmm. bit. It's been a bit. I'm excited for the tech. I'm excited to land on my grandma's porch because <laughs> that's the address <laughs> I gave him. So I can't wait. It's giving me. Hey, listen, PlayStation VR. You go show up and grandma's wearing it, and you're like, where? What's happening? <laughs> she, she's like, what is this? What is this box? Why is this a hat? 
Lindo, can you why is it that why you bad? It doesn't a wire? Everything's not wireless these days. Come on. Uh uh-uh, uh. Uh uh. That's your grandma right yeah. there. Yeah, my grandpa thought my phone was Satan. Not far off, but he's like, that's witchcraft. He's like, oh, I don't know about that. I, think. I mean, he'd say it's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nowadays, I think maybe my grandpa was onto something. But nonetheless, <laughs> excited for PlayStation VR 2. It seems like right up our alley. Now, that said, Kyle, it is time we get into some flashes. Got to run. Gotta run fast. Oh shit. Oh my god, they're right behind us. Oh my goodness. Oh my god, okay. PlayStation is making them earbuds BB. This news comes from Insider Gaming. The earbuds named Project Nomad will have an approximate battery life of around five hours, which is almost identical to Apple's earbuds. Everything's five hours now. Everything, right? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, but slightly less than Sony's WF-100XM3, uh, which has a six-hour battery. Thank you. Thank you. I try my best. Six-hour battery life. Of course, just like almost all wireless uh, earbuds on the market, Nomad will come with a charging case, uh, charge via USB-C cable to the PS5. And in addition, the same connection method will be used for wireless earbuds updates on Sweet. the PS5. Hey, Kyle. You think you'll be hey. rocking these uh, PlayStation earbuds? Bud? Yes. Oh, yeah? Uh, the, the These are actually a yes from me, because... Tell me about it. I'm thinking specifically for, like, VR. Oh. I don't want to put the big headset over on top of the headset having a, a wireless earbud solution. Yeah. I think will do wonders as well as like me actually maybe using them not in VR oh, as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, to me, I think of it two, two things. First, it's a great, I could wear earbuds with this thing. Would rather it be my AirPods, but alas, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. Not a perfect world here. Not a perfect scenario. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, but I do prefer the ear pods over these headsets. Cause what I've gotten now, Kyle is a big old indent. You see right here on my noggin mm-hmm. and so much so that that's now just how my hair naturally parts <laughs> that's how much i wear headphones man like when yeah. i'm not playing games i'm wearing headphones uh, or now replacing with ear pods but like just the amount of editing i do here and the amount of gaming with the he- headphones i would like a break for my ears being so sweaty all the time they're calling me sweaty ears joe at work i can't have it um <laughs> and it better not be a trend i just start son of a Hey, you, what lobe Joe? <laughs> hey, what lobe Joe? I got a question for you. <laughs> Stop Why it. do you drip on over here? I got something to say. <laughs> Why are you guys being so mean? Uh, but like, t- this is a, a good addition. I just would rather use my actual AirPods. That being said, though, I was thinking about like Razer has a set of these bad boys. Okay. Already in the works. Okay. Now. Maybe I do wait. Maybe I am. I, I become a little bit more patient and I wait for these earbuds because n- you know me. I got to get the official brand because I'm broken inside. Yo, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. All right. Hey, Kyle. Uh, enough about these earbuds. Okay, they're coming out eventually. Probably end of this year. Who knows? Yeah. I want to talk about what's gonna what's gonna be here in, in in the next coming of days. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm ready. The PlayStation mid month drop is here. You don't worry. You don't need to be hanging on to anything for this one. Forget about beginning of the month or end of the month. We're all about that mid-month That's here. right. BB, God of War Ragnarok, Trial 
available on PlayStation Plus Premium. For those of whom who are still holding out, God bless. Uh, yeah. You're missing out. Uh, here's the list of games that you'll be getting for February 2023. Horizon. Can I make for, a su- oh yeah. Never mind. yeah no, 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 make a suggestion. I was gonna go from bottom to top. Who? All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Well, I actually think here's the thing. I think the bottom is more exciting. Can it be honest? I, I mean, just the extra, not the. Oh, uh, the pre. Okay. All right. Yeah. Numero uno. The Forgotten City on PS5, PS4. I Am Setsuna on PS4. The Lost Sphere. Onaki. Uh, Earth Defense Force 5 on PS4. Uh, Ace Combat 7, Skies Unknown on PS4. Tekken 7 on PS4. Borderlands 3 on PS5 slash 4. Scarlet Nexus on PS5 slash 4. Outriders on PS5 slash 4. Resident Evil. Biohazard 7 on PS4. The Quarry on PS5, PS4. And Horizon Forbidden West, PS5, PS4. But wait, Kyle, we're not even done yet. No, that was only just extra. Now let's get on to some premium soyvices here, all right? Oh, that's oh, I'm I'm excited. All right, let's start from the bottom, and now we're yeah, here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Destroy all her humans. PS4. Harvest Moon: Back to Nature on PS1. Okay. Okay. Wild Arms Two. Okay. On we're getting PS1. warmer. We're getting warmer. And Kyle, you take it away. The last one here. Say it. Say it with your whole chest. The Legend of Dragoon. PS1. The game I want to be remade so badly. Here it is. I will finally be able to play this game there again. I'm so excited. Uh, this gives me n- hope for Star Ocean 2 being a part of this one day. Now, Kyle, there's no there's no acknowledgement of trophy support for these games. Okay. okay. But okay. Wild Arms 1 did have a trophy list, so we could maybe assume that Wild Arms 2 does as well. All right. But even without trophy support, you gotta go back to these games. Oh, I'm one thousand percent gonna play Legend of Dragoon. Yeah, and I I hope it holds up in my memory. <laughs> I've seen a couple of people out there be like, I can't wait for people to realize that the game wasn't good to begin with, and, and I'm hoping those people are wrong because <laughs> yeah. it's legit been a very long time. I I have it on my Vita, but even then, I bought it just to have it. I don't think I actually put time in into fair, it. Fair. Um. I'm just excited that they are acknowledging its existence. A Sony oh, yes. first party JRPG. It it was it's a really, really cool premise. I love the look of it. I I hope I enjoy my time with it when I mm-hmm. hop back in. I will give that one a chance. Real talk. I was gonna ask you what game you gonna give us a Legend of Dragon. Oh, I, yeah. Because I hear you talk so highly, even if it's for yeah. 15, 20 minutes. No, yeah. my dumbass. I, I can't. Uh, reading boring. So like, I'll zip out, but I'll at least understand the hype. Yeah. Out of the extra games, though, which one tickles oh. your fancy the most? Come on now. You get you get one of the best games of the year last year. That's part of PS Plus Extra, Horizon Friend West. Are you we, kidding me? Yeah. And it's not just the PS4 version, it's PS5 as well. Like, no what are we doing here? What like it's a no-brainer. If you haven't played one of the best games of last year, a game of the year nominated game, mm-hmm. do it. And and, and uh, there's a lot of really great stuff here. I love Borderlands 3. Uh, it's awesome. It's on here. 
you, I think, enjoyed your time with Scarlet Nexus, if I remember I correctly. I did. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a bit. That's on here. RE7 is a great return to form to yeah. RE, the, from what it was. Outriders as well on, on here, yeah. which I enjoyed a great deal, though the story is awful. Um, sure. And like, even the quarry, right? Some people don't like it, but it is what I remember Until Dawn to be, a campy horror thing. Yeah. And, like, yeah, it's there. And the and- Forgotten City you just highlighted. It was one of the best games whenever it came out. It was highly regarded. Uh, yep. And yeah, it's great. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy that it's here. I'm going to be trying it out. I I, I know that this is like a, 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 the inspiration, I think, is the same person that made this incredible mod to Skyrim. And they made yes. it its own game. So I'm really excited yeah. to see what this game is going to. This, this game is going to be and what it's going to look like. Though I suck at puzzle games, I'll give this one a, a, a fair shake. If the story intrigues me enough, I'll just run through some guides knowing how dumb I am with, with, with puzzles. I remember seeing a, during one of the Game Sun quick marathons, somebody did that in like, I think 20 minutes or something, did all the endings. Okay. Yeah. And that's my only experience with that game. Fair enough. Fair enough. It was a fun time. All right, Kyle. The last bit of flash news here. A bit disappointing if I'm going to say that right now. Oh, really? Not for the reason, like, everything involved is cool, but, like, right. when you realize all that cool stuff out and about in the real wor- world is this, it's a little bit of a bummer. <laughs> all right, okay, Sony. <laughs> it reveals the PlayStation Plus Festival of Play offers prizes, deals, games, and tournaments. PlayStation Today has revealed a new PlayStation Plus Festival of Play promotion that encompasses a range of activities uh, that includes prizes, PlayStation Store deals, tournaments, and newly announced PlayStation Plus and Extra premium game lineup for the month of February 2023. It all kicks off today and runs until the 24th of February 2023. Most of the activities have actually been already announced, including this morning's uh, store and the premium trial of God of War. New information focuses now on a host of PlayStation Stars collectibles featured around the promotion and playing Horizon Forbidden West and also a competition to win a Sony Bravia XR OLED TV and some accessories. Now it's no LG, you know, C1 that we got over here. Okay, humble brag, but I guess it'll yeah. do. Uh, and it could be with a chance of winning. You must answer three questions related to PlayStation Plus on their site. I thought this is neat. It's like, hey, here's all the things we've announced, and it's it's here in this nice little like yeah. you know package. I thought it was neat. Yeah, no, it, it it's very it's very much cool. It it's um similar to like the days of play back on PS4. Okay, it, it's it's literally just what it is, and, and content wise, everything in there is cool. I love it. It's fun. It's yeah. just when you realize that the real life Leviathan X and everything live PS5 and the newscasters from around the world is for this and not a showcase that is where i say i'm uh, okay fair yeah, enough yeah, yeah. fair enough still listen, very cool still yeah. very cool also i do want to know for anybody interested like ooh, is ps5 shortage i i logged into amazon after like an hour and change of wario announcing that it's up for uh, up for you know just purchase and you didn't need a wait list or whatever um i could buy one so the shortage is really over. Hey, they they nice. figured it out, man. So good on PlayStation. Again, I think we talked about it last last uh, last week. The sales are. I think I think we're going to see right now, Kyle. I want to know your thoughts. I think we're going to see a huge spike 
in 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 PlayStation Five. Not like the sales, but like the numbers that we see out of them. Like I think we're going to start seeing the PlayStation Five start really outpacing, you know, the PlayStation Four, which it was struggling to do this time because of the shortage. What do you think, Kyle? I agree, and all the more reason to actually have a giant showcase an hour 20 minute long thing <laughs> god bless god bless that said kyle before we get into quick play uh, oh yeah a couple more really quick things oh please go ahead, flash go news it. i want to add yeah all right you um, said you had some links go go for mlb it. uh the show 23 has a technical test starting uh february 15th which is the day that we are recording this nice. up until february 21st um you'll be able to just play online and get a feel for this year's show it's going to be very limited you get to pick i think between the world series teams if i'm not mistaken um and who were they and, uh that would be the astros and the phillies but I the think. astros cheated right we all think they cheated Oh, they cheated years ago, but they oh, okay. they still are a good team. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So they um, cheated, but they're good. It's like deflating. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, get a little taste from the show. Um, I always love doing this just to get my baseball fix. Um, so that is that. And also, the Power Wash Simulator uh, have it. has announced that March 2nd, we're getting the Midgar Special Pack, which is free DLC. Uh, Midgar is from final fantasy 7 remake and my god joe i can't wait they showed some screenshots you were cleaning up like the midgar map on the table uh you were also cleaning up the the uh vehicles the the bike the the truck you're cleaning up seventh heaven from the inside uh the tifa's bar no I'm joking with you. I'm joking. I know, I know, I know. I'm joking with you, kid. <laughs> and uh, and the uh, the guard scorpion boss are all going to be part of this pack, and it's it's super cool. I'm very very excited. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. There you go. That's been your flash news. Now it is time. Moment we've all been waiting for, at least for me. Our interview with Jane Perry, the voice of Celine from Returnal. Let's take it away. And joining us, the voice of Celine from Returnal. Miss Jane Perry, how are you today, Miss? I am pretty darn good. Thank you so much. Awesome. <laughs> and thank you so much for joining us because we have so many questions. Our audience has so many questions for you. <laughs> and um, let's let's just take it away, Kyle. Give give the first question. Yeah, I, I think I think before we get into your roles and your your career, uh, I'd like to know a little bit more about Jane Perry yourself. So, Jane, what? Where are you from? What are you into? What ah, do you do for fun? Uh, let's see. Well, I'm from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. I'm a Canadian. And nice. um, I, uh, what am I doing? So I live in London and I'm here with my, my family and I've got a big Great Dane dog and oh, he's nice. you know, part of my daily life. And um, I'm just about to come out to, to Canada to go skiing, which I haven't done for a long time. So I'm so looking forward to it. We had this big dump of snow in London just before Christmas. And I was like, you know what? I love wintertime and I miss snow sports, like winter sports. So, um, yeah, so I'm coming out uh, to Quebec nice. to go skiing and um, uh, it's just going to be brilliant. What's, now, uh, I, what's the pupper's name? If, if you don't mind me oh, that's asking. That's a good oh, question. His name's Harley. Yeah. Oh, that's love a great it. name. Yeah. I love it. You yeah, touch on something interesting. Yes. From Alberta, mm-hmm. moved over to London. 
How does that feel, making that type of jump? Well, it's interesting because my family's British. My mom's from Belfast and my dad's a Londoner. So I think I've always felt this affinity towards the UK because it's kind of in the blood, I suppose you could say. Um, And I guess I was quite familiar with mm, the English-Irish way of doing things from my parents. Having said that, though, you know, culturally, it is quite different. Um, You know, obviously, we speak the same language and all of that, but it's, you know, London is a great, big, big, fabulous, complex, multicultural, vibrant city. Um, So it's, you know, it's, I love it. I absolutely love it. But I also love going back home. I feel so lucky that I can, you know, be in London and, and um, kind of appreciate everything that it has to offer and then go back to Canada, which has a, you know, a slower pace, especially out, out West in Calgary. Yeah. Um, so I feel quite, quite lucky to be able to do that. Yeah. (laughs) You've also traveled around the world a little bit doing, doing your job. Uh, what is the, what are the best places that you've gotten a chance to travel to? Do you know, I was just thinking about this the other day because I've worked in Moscow twice. Um, I did a, a commercial there, uh, ages ago. And then I also did, um, a film there, um, called Dietlov Pass, and it was really interesting when we were doing the commercial, we were staying in a hotel, beautiful hotel, right across the road from Red Square. And um, you look out the window and there it was. And I was just thinking, gosh, you know, I, and you, I saw these iconic sort of places in Moscow that I, to that, you know, up, up to that point, only seen in picture books. And I was sort of thinking, gosh, it's going to be the same now. I don't know when we'd ever be able to go back to, to Russia. <clears throat> I always wanted to take my husband to St. Petersburg because it's absolutely gorgeous. But um, I think that's off the cards now. Yeah. Well, you know, Moscow was interesting. It's one of, I wouldn't say my favorite place in the world, but it's a really interesting city. Um, so that was a gift. So I got a question for you, Jane. Um, you know, I, I assume you're not a, a huge gamer yourself. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I'm assuming your love is the cinema, film, plays. Um, I mean, you look at your IMDb and it's just a huge list of just TV shows, movies. You're in a movie with Daniel Day-Lewis. You're in a game with Keanu Reeves. How did it all start for you? And when did you find out that video games were an avenue that you could, you know, use your talent in? Oh, yeah, that's such a great question. Well, you know, when I moved over here, I kind of, I was working in the theater in Canada for um, quite a long time, like five or six years or so. And I, I, I moved over to the UK, not because I had an opportunity here, but just because I felt like it, which, you know, maybe wasn't the smartest thing to do for my career as an actor. So I was really starting from nothing. And when I arrived in London, I got myself an agent and essentially, you know, agents will send you out on auditions for all kinds of things, a commercial that films in Moscow or maybe a TV series or maybe a game. And um, so I got this audition for the, it was for um, Legends 007. And um, it was at one of the big outsource studios here, an outsource studio is the studio that records uh, the voices and does post-production casting and everything for games here in the UK. So it was for this company called Side Global. I auditioned for them. I booked the job and I was like, great, fabulous. Let's do this. And um, and that was my my start in games. But, you know, voice work um, 
has always been running uh, alongside all of my other work as um, an actor, not necessarily games from the beginning, but always it's always been there. So I, I wasn't um, a stranger to the studio, but I was a stranger to games at, at that point. Um, so I did that game and, and uh, it just started the ball rolling and I haven't really looked back. And um, I have to say, I feel like, I feel very lucky because I feel like I've landed in games at a time when games um, are really, you know, they have found their feet in yeah. terms of performance in games. Mm -hmm. um, you know all about this with, you know, you, you talk a lot about performance in games and yeah. um, have your own sort of awards for that too. And, and I think that is something that's become so sophisticated. And I feel like I'm, I got in at the sort of ground level, entry level with that. Um, and actors now are just so keen to get involved in games. And every time I do a TV series, I'll have somebody say, how do I get in games? And um, you know, I'll be like, I don't know. Pray <laughs> for an audition. <laughs> I think you, you hit something uh, like right on the head. We talked about it a few weeks ago of like, you know, games have, you know, this is a medium that we always talk about being so huge. You know, it's mm -hmm. bigger than movies, it's bigger than music. But in terms of, you know, uh, storytelling, we have matured and, and, and grown quite a bit in the short time that we've been here where, yeah, there are performances that come out of, uh, out of, out of you, out, out of, you know, people like Danielle who played Freya and that, that you're just, you're, you're, you're just struck of like, this is, this is in incredible. I know Kyle, you have a, you have a follow-up on that of, of, of getting into that role, because to me, that's the most fascinating thing. So take it away, Kyle. Yeah. So like, obviously you, you do live action stuff with other people on a set for movies and TV and yeah. plays. Is the preparation for that and voice acting, is it a different type of preparation you have to put yourself through or are they still similar Yes, I think it is different, you know. I mean, for acting in games, unless you're on a motion capture, performance capture volume, then, you you know, that's kind of similar to maybe a theatrical rehearsal and being on a film set. Um, but if it's just you voicing the character, then you suddenly don't have the same things that are normally to hand for an actor, for example, a fellow actor to work off of, set costume um script you know all the things that actors you know generally use to help create their character and and also to the things that they might use to bring them into the given circumstances so that they can play what's happening in the moment in a mm -hmm. in a kind of realistic way um so uh i think really what it comes down to is a, a, a real strong interaction with your own imagination and mm -hmm. also I talk a lot, you know, when I talk about acting in games, just doing voice, it's also about being very present in the moment um, because you have to work with a lot of information that's flying at you uh, and you have to work very quickly. And I think for some people who are not used to that, it can be a bit of a, a shock to the system that they have had no preparation. They don't really know what's going on or what they're doing, but they have to just listen to what the, um, you know, the, the uh, performance director and the game director is, is telling them. And that means that your preparation is 
your preparation is not sitting down learning lines and trying to remember this, that, and the other thing. Your preparation is, is just about making sure your voice and your body and your mind are ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So how, how do you, how do you get in that, in that zone? You know, I, I, I heard um, from one of the, the, the voice actors of cyberpunk that they did not even know that their co-star was Keanu Reeves until he was on stage yeah. going, you know, you're breathtaking, <laughs> creating that meme. And, you know, you are a pivotal character in cyberpunk. You are also playing alongside a Keanu, but I'm assuming he's not there in the room with you. Is it just, you know, is there someone in the room? <laughs> yeah, I know. Very disappointing. right? I know. I know. He's dreamy. It's just yeah. so nice. But like, is there someone in the room with you, uh, you know, running over the lines, like feeding you that energy? Or is it you are the one that has to create that, like, in, a, in other words, like that imaginary friend to kind of build off of. Yeah. Oh, imaginary friends. That is exactly what I, I have loads of imaginary friends and I take them into the, the studio with me. Um, there is somebody reading the lines, um, which is usually that your director, but you know, not always. Um, and also your director has a lot of things to think about. So they're, you know, they might not be reading the lines the way an actor might because they're, first of all, their day is very long and they don't want to be, you know, like investing in playing a character when actually their job is to direct you. But they are there to feed you the lines if helpful. Um, and then I have, as, a, as you said, you just hit the nail on the head, imaginary friends. And sometimes I'm so engaged with my imaginary friends. I'll be like acting with them and I see them and then I'll be like, oh, right, I have to go back to this spreadsheet and read my next line. I get really, you know, lost in it. Um, yeah. And I, I rather love that. But, you know, in cyberpunk, I didn't know who Johnny Silverhand was until a ways into the process. And then towards the end of the process, um, Keanu Reeves had recorded, you know, the bulk of his lines. So I, I, you know, I go back for pickups and just, you know, they had to fix little plot points and things like that. By that point, his, his lines were there and I could actually respond to them, which was, was really nice. And that's ideal because, you know, he says the line one way and then I think, Oh, okay. I, I hear that tone in his voice. I'm going to respond to that. And it, it really informs how you, you act. But it's and a, I bet you were surprised how vulgar it was. <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. I blushed. I nearly fainted. <laughs> uh, I'm going to ju jump ahead a little bit, Joe, in, yeah. in the questions the way I planned. But, sure. Um, the imaginary friend, uh, you know, type of thinking, does that get thrown out of the window in a game like Returnal where you are the sole character? Yeah, I had no friends. I had yeah. no friends. Although I did imagine my mom. Yeah. And, um, but I also had great visual references for that too. Um, yeah, Returnal was unique, you know, because it was pretty much just me. And then there was the the lovely actor who played uh, my son as well. But our interaction was so minimal. So really yeah. what I was imagining were not so much people, but environments, because the environments that Celine finds herself in are so, you know, the environments are almost like another character in the game. And then, of course, mm -hmm. the, the creature and the bosses and things that she, you know, comes across. Mm -hmm. So I would imagine more scenarios, situations, um, being somewhere that's difficult and, and being surrounded by things that kind of make you feel destabilized and horrify you and 
you know, so I had to put some thought into, well, what, what would that be for me? How could I find that in my sense that, that myself, sorry, that deep sense of, um, I'm in a place that is unknown. I don't understand what's going on here. I am off balance big time. So that's why, you know, recording return was sometimes exhausting, um, in a good way, but I would come home at the end of the day, like, Oh my God, I need a whiskey or something like that was hard. And, 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 you know, to go along with that, there's your performance in Returnal is just incredible Mm -hmm. because you are playing someone that like you said it perfectly. You're out of balance. You're in this weird foreign, just planet. And you're picking up these audio logs and each audio log it's your voice. It's Celine, the character, but mm. it's not. <laughs> it doesn't seem like there. There is, there is one, you know, piece of line where, you know, you talk about literally like carving yourself, mm-hmm. and like what would you find underneath it all? And mm. it it was disturbing. It was dark. You had to put yourself in a really vulnerable and yeah, dark place. You know, you prep for the role. How do you how do you get out of that mindset uh, when you're when you're done, you know, shooting? Well, that's such a good question, and I think it's a, a very important question for actors who play roles like that because you have to really take care of your own psychology. And certainly in the past, I have not done that. This was more when I was on stage, not so much in games, and that was um that was. You know, it forced me to learn how to do that because uh, I got into mental health troubles because of it. And um, so now I'm very careful with my own psychology. And how do I get out of it? Basically, you know what's helpful about recording when you're just doing the voice is that you enter a little room and there you are and you do your four-hour session or whatever it is and then you're finished and then you leave the room and I shut that door to the studio and when I shut that door that's it I leave it all in there and it's um I I kind of imagine just leaving this black ball of baggage yeah Yeah. baggage so um and I do that consciously now. There was a time when I, I wasn't aware that I actually needed to do that and it all caught up on me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she does have a really difficult you know, journey and I do draw on my own experiences to um, bring to life her experiences. So yeah, the, 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 we have to be careful about these things. And, and maybe it's the same too when you play it. You know, you, you spend so long in these spaces as a player that I think sometimes we need to whew, just clear the slate you know when we finished a game like that or other games that are like that and um you know walk the dog or i mean a good example i've been playing a lot of dead space it's a horror game it's very scary right and to de-sanitize myself of all the horror i'm now playing power wash simulator yeah and it is exactly how it sounds it's It's very therapeutic very therapeutic no horror just cleaning yeah just cleaning i was playing unpacking the other day i was like oh my gosh this is so nice it really yeah isn't it great it really appeals to the virgo and me i'm I'm like i'm gonna put that there and then i'm gonna put that there (laughs) and (laughs) wonderful it's so relaxing (laughs) i love it 
Uh, I want to get into one of our community members. Uh, they asked some questions for you. Uh, Dwani Rockshire writes in, Jane, I loved your performance as Celine. I felt it really added to the sense of being absolutely alone on a foreign planet. I'm sure the development of every game is different, but what resources, if any, were available to you when preparing for this role? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So um, the first resource that I was exposed to was what Celine looked like and and you know what she's wearing the the um astronaut outfit if you can call it that um so that was my first resource and and also what um you know what her posture is and how she stands like she's very confident physically so that gave me a lot of insight into the character that physical confidence she's you know what she looks like she's really on the front foot so you suddenly think okay this is a woman who is not, she's courageous and brave and yeah, she's a go-getter. Um, and then as you record the game, Housemark, God bless them, they're so lovely. They uh, really took a lot of time in our sessions to explain, you know, what the environment looked like. If they had a sort of animatic or mock-up of the scene, they would show it to me. They would show me the movements that were, that my, you know, Celine was uh, going through or doing. And, um, and so there are all these visual resources that mm. I would then metabolize into character choices or I would look at and it would, would inform things like, you know, how heavy is she breathing when she's landing? Has she jumped from quite a tall distance, you know, and things like that. So, yeah, yeah visual resources, very helpful. Yeah. Now we got another question from patron Kevin Diaz. He writes, what was it like voicing the game of the year of 2021? Nice. But seriously, though, my question is uh, the story behind Housemark approaching you to voice Celine and really their first major protagonist in any of their games. So, mm-hmm. you know, what was it like working with with Housemark? Because this is one of their first bigger steps into AAA and, and, and narrative storytelling. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. It was just so great. Um, just really wonderful. I mean, we started recording Returnal during the pandemic. And um, so I was recording, the very first thing I recorded for them was a kind of trailer. And I recorded it in my little home studio here in London. And uh, that that's where it all started. And as I was saying previously, their care and direction was so generous and um, well-considered, and um, they really took a lot of time. And, and this is something that you don't always get in the recording studios is time or a willingness to spend time on stuff. So, some of the games that I've done, that they're like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll read a line or I'll perform a line, and they're like, great, okay, let's move on. I'll be like, oh, I, I only do that once. Like, <laughs> that's going to be in the game. All right, then. And, you know, off it goes. But with Housemark, they really just took their time and really allowed um, me to find my feet. And, you know, also because Celine goes through these different levels of sanity. <laughs> so we really had to find, you know, what does it mean when she's, you know, basically saying, what does it mean when she's come back for the, you know, 100,000? time. Yeah. <laughs> and, and her mental state is like, you know, a little tired. So... They were just so great. I, I'm so fond of Housemark, and I'm really excited for everything that that um, is coming down the pipeline from them. They're wonderful. Are you? They, they are, are truly they the, one of our favorite studios. Oh, absolutely, They're phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Are are they? Were they willing to uh, take your input on Selena as a character during yeah. the process, or like you say, oh, maybe she had. 
maybe she tore her ACL playing high school <laughs> basketball, you know, like, and maybe she has a little limp or something like yeah. things like little things about her mannerisms and the way she moves about. Yes. Right. Well, that's really interesting. I, I didn't ever have any point where I was like, mm, I think we need to change direction with where you've taken this character. This is not really making sense to me. That never happened. Um, so I suppose on, on that level, um, you know, it wasn't necessary. I I would give a little bit of feedback, maybe, you know, about sort of more subtle things or, and I nothing's really coming to mind right now when I think about it, but all I can say is I think they would definitely be open to it, but it wasn't actually needed because it was so well written and, and Mm -hmm. as I say, so well considered. Um, So, yeah. Is it, is it tough for you to take a, written character that someone else has written and make it your own or is that just second nature at this point it depends on the writing i i don't really have too much trouble with it but if it's not very well written then it it can be quite difficult and in those moments when i've worked on games where maybe the writing wasn't quite mm, i don't know yeah it wasn't quite there usually the developer is quite happy to to hear your feedback about that um and and to you know to, to listen to why I feel like it's it's not coming off the page properly. And then we do make little adjustments and, and maybe it's just a, a word that doesn't quite work or a sentence structure or, you know, maybe the character's moving and she's speaking too much and that doesn't make sense. So, um, yeah, so little things like that, you know, are, are definitely adjusted in, in the voiceover studio, I think, from all of us actors. And developers are usually really happy to, to hear you know, and, and collaborate on, on that score. So, yeah. Now, and and I, I like one of the things you said, it brings me actually to one of our patrons' questions, Mr. M9 Prime writes in, how did it feel coming back to record the voice lines for the DLC, The Tower of Sisyphus, uh, after seeing how well-received the main game was? Was it hard to get back into the character? And my add-on question was, were those lines already recorded? No, that DLC came out. Oh, okay. no, we, to, we did come back and do that, um, and it was um, like Sisyphus, like pushing that thing up the 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 boulder, the boulder. hill. Yeah. It, that's a bit yeah. what it felt like, like getting back into Celine's psyche again. It's like, oh my god, this is it's so heavy, you know. Uh, so I really, felt like Sisyphus a bit myself, um, and uh, yeah, and it was. I mean, it was really. It's, it's always fun doing DLCs as well. Uh, despite yeah. the fact I say it was heavy and difficult, it's still fun. I, I must, you know, drive that point home. Um, so it, it was exciting, you know, too, because it was doing so well and and um, receiving great critical acclaim. And yeah, it was it was great. It was it was good to go back and. So I I, I got a question for you because I'd be remiss if in the audience would would hang me if if I didn't ask. Uh, or at least throw a pitchfork at me. Would <laughs> uh, do you think that there's more story to Celine? Do you think there's more to uncover um, for her in 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 her story? I don't know. That's my honest answer. Okay. I mean, I think. I think probably yeah. It, I, I'm going to say I think probably there is, but that's not me saying that House Mark has sure. plans. I don't yeah. know. That that's do. you wanting it to happen because you love that yeah. character, I assume. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. I mean, she's it, yeah, she's deep, isn't she? She's got a lot going on. Yeah, she so really I, is. 
I think there's more to that story, but um, I think it's also, you know, it's in a good and interesting place as it sits right now. So on that, on that note, we had uh, a couple other members ask this question, millennial Falcon gaming and green gorilla gamer both asked uh, with the success of HBO's the last of us adaptation. Could you see an adaptation of Returnal being on a, on an HBO or a movie screen? Wow. Yeah. Why not? Right. Uh, well, and of course, would you like to be in that? Right. Are you kidding? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Interesting question. I'd have to really get fit. In fact, I'm trying to get fit. I'm not trying. I am getting fit right now. I'm working out and doing all kinds of things. Uh, because I, I just, I finally decide frequently in these interviews, I say, I'm nowhere near as fit as my characters. And then suddenly I thought mm. I'd like to be. <laughs> so yeah. I'm that. anyway, that's completely beside the point. Um, I think the no, I'm right with you there, Jane. Cause I'm always, I'm always like, you know, it's time, it's time to do not try. Yeah. Do it. it uh, yeah. God is in the doing. That's not really the thing, <laughs> but anyway, I think it um, the thing about, you know, Returnal is that she's just one character, and and uh, I wonder in, in a series maybe we would need to introduce other characters, and mm-hmm. we, you know she sort of meets you know other beings and herself. But sure, yeah, I don't know. Actually, that's a really good question. I, I wonder because there's what- this there's this movie coming out. I think it's called like sixty three or sixty seven something. It's with Adam Driver, and he, he and it's. Uh, and, and Jane, when I tell you for the first thirty seconds, I was like, "This is—is is this Returnal? Is this we? <laughs> right. Like it's the same crashing on a foreign like planet. It's like stranded, found a gun laying about. It's like, oh. where are we right now? Are we in Astropost? <laughs> so like, I—I definitely I would love to see that because I—I feel like it could translate well. Yeah. Um, and and that said too, you know you're in some of my favorite games. <laughs> so like, you know, you're playing Di- Diana Burnwood in Hitman. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're playing rogue uh, in, in cyberpunk against Celine and Returnal uh, and, and so many more. Your repertoire is immense. What has been so far your favorite role that you've embodied? Well, do you know, I would have to say Diana in, in yeah. Hitman. I just, um, Partially that's because I've been playing her for a number of years. And um, and so I've gotten to know that character extremely well. And there's things about Diana that I, I find are so enjoyable and, and so much fun to indulge in. A, her intelligence is, you know, massive. And then yep. she's got a wonderful sense of humor. And she is somebody you know i mean of course she's ordering hits on people but i feel that she does it in a very moralistic way uh you know i think she's you know yeah i think she wants to do good in the world by getting rid of some of the baddies out there and um and i love her relationship with agent 47 i think it's a really interesting relationship you know it's so interesting and that role is arguably my favorite of yours as well, because you do have a genuine relationship with agent 47 Mm -hmm. and it, you're, it also feels like you are playing 4d chess. Uh, and at the same exact time, I know while going through this game that your intentions are pure. Yeah. Yeah. There's just, 
there's so much about that arc that I that I love, and and at the end of of Hitman Three, it's just the, the completion of it is 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 great. Mm. How how is it how 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 was it working on on that game in particular? Mm. Um, and and I'm I'm sorry because his name's escaping me, but the oh, actor that plays Forty Seven, yeah, yeah. Oh God, you know well. It was, um, it kind of brought tears to my eyes sometimes because, uh, just because of what goes on between her and 47 and also because knowing that, you know, Hitman 3 is ostensibly the end of, yeah. of that franchise, you know, as far as we know. And that made me feel incredibly sad. Um, so it was bittersweet and, um, you know, I would be in the studio and, and we record, finish recording. And then, um, you know, the person who I'd be working with in Copenhagen would say, okay, Jane, well, thank you so much for everything. And, and th- this is it. This is your last session. I'd be like, what? Oh, hey. And I just sort of slump out of the studio, go home feeling like bereft. And then I get a call a couple of weeks later. Oh, they need you to go back and do more Hitman. I'd be like, oh, oh my God. I just think what? Okay, I'll go back. Whee! And excited and happy. And then they say, okay, that's it. That's it. All right. Okay. And I go through the same process about five times, you know, because that's how games work. You know, they, they keep sort of thinking, oh, no, we didn't quite do that right. Let's bring her back. Yeah. And, and so it was never, it was all full of sort of these false endings. And then one day it really was the end. And yeah. um, I had said goodbye to it many times. And, and but I still felt this sense of loss, you know, yeah. because, um, because it's just such a great game and and it's just it's an institution isn't it mm-hmm. in, yeah. in the world of gaming and and agent 47 is an institution as well in his own right dear david bateson who's become a really dear friend i must say um so yeah good old hitman love it they should make a film it- like hitman wait a minute <laughs> <laughs> in that in that same vein of feeling like uh you know upset that your time as that rolls over we we've heard a bunch of uh times where actors are, are like on on a movie set or whatever we'll, we'll get to bring a prop home right to remember yeah. their time remember their character whatever yeah is there anything from celine diana rogue that you would if it was a real life prop that would you like to bring home to keep as like a keepsake for your time in this virtual world i wouldn't mind some of diana's clothing quite like yeah, her, her style um, and Celine, um, I think probably one of her weapons would would be great. I mean, they're yeah. pretty awesome. Um, yeah, that's what I would choose. Maybe the helmet as well. Yeah, I, I, was, I, I was surprised she didn't say helmet because I'm like, or, or the, like the, the, the figurine the thing I take the the astronaut Ooh. figurine or something like that. Yeah, the helmet yeah. is quite iconic. That yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. gosh. Mm. Maybe what about the cyberpunk world? If you could take anything from Rogue, are you taking a robot arm? I'll I would take, a... take Johnny Silverhand, to be honest. Oh, oh, my goodness, <laughs> my goodness. I mean, I love it. <laughs> I don't mean to objectify Keanu Reeves. No. He's not a thing. He's a person. That's right. Um, but uh, yeah. But he's also dreamy. It's fine. He's very dreamy. Yes. Yeah. Undeniably. I can. I can. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, one one last question before we go. Um, this one, small one. So let's let's get, unpack it whichever way you like. What is your favorite thing about the look of Celine? Oh, I, I love her eyes. 
Yeah, I was yes. just thinking that. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I love her. Um, can I just? Am I only supposed to choose one thing, or choose it? anything, all the things? I think she. I love her body. Like she's so athletic and and strong. I really love athletic, strong um, female bodies. And you know, I think in games we've seen a lot of female women represented in a very kind of performative sexualized, sexualized thank you way mm -hmm. and, and Celine is not that and I just I adore that about that character um she's almost got a slightly androgynous um thing going on which I also kind of like like she's not identifying specifically as non-binary but I think there it's to me it's sort of in, inherent it's, it's just part of who she is without mm. sort of having to declare it one way or the other. And um, I, I think that's really cool too. So so that's what I, I like about her. She's just, yeah, she's just um, a strong, interesting woman who doesn't venture into, as you say, the sexualized territory in order to be acceptable. Yeah, the, the, and I, I, I think it's one of the main reasons why I love Celine. Celine is, when you look at her, you know, uh, for lack of better words, she looks like a badass. She looks like she could take on any role that's put in front of her and she doesn't need to wear a battle bikini to do that. She yeah. looks, yeah, she looks fit. She looks like she could take on any role and I, it kind of goes along with her personality, which is incredibly determined. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. She, she is awesome. Well, yeah. listen, I want to thank you so much, Jane, for taking the time out of your day to talk to us about your roles. Um, is there anything you'd like to spotlight before we get on out of here? Well, I, you know, before we finish, I really do just want to thank you both for the, all of the support that you gave Returnal oh, last year. You were just so, so wonderful supporting it. And also me. And I really, really, um, yeah, I just was really touched by that. And, and um, I loved how you championed Returnal. Um, last year so thank you for that and um yeah i think i'm quite happy to finish with my gratitude towards you <laughs> thank you so course. much thank you and and i want to thank you for all for all that you've done all the developers out there it's the reason why we do these shows each and every year you know video games are important to us and it's really important to us to highlight um you know the people that make games possible yeah. <laughs> because it's, you know, it, as much as we love you, we, we also know there's a team behind you Absolutely. making it happening, you know? Yes. So. Masses and masses of hugely creative and talented people and who, you know, deserve big recognition for what they do. Yeah. Kyle, any nice words of encouragement you'd like to leave before we get back to the show, sir? Of course. I'm so appreciative of your time, Jane and uh, the team of, Housemark are easily one of my favorites and I love how what they did with Returnal yeah. and your character like Joe said any chance we can champion the teams that make literal magic yeah. that we can experience is uh I'll I'll take that opportunity any chance I get so yeah thank mm -hmm. you so much for what you do Jane thank you thank you thank so much <laughs> and back to the show ooh we I you know the last moments that she says there um <sighs> Oh my Lanta. You the know, fact I, that she remembered us championing Returnal and more importantly her performance in it, uh that that is what took me aback. Yeah. It you know, for me, 
I, I saw a few tweets where I remember the game of the year conversations was, was going on. I think it was like a couple like a Xbox folks that were mad because none of their games made it that year or whatever. I don't know. It's whatever, angry. People be bitter because of plastic. And, you know, one person like, they, you know, does don't even care about, you know, these awards. You know, it's so stupid. And that hurt me because I was like, well, I'm making this thing because I care for it. I, I, I can't. I have to believe like that's not true, right? Like, sure, maybe most devs are indifferent or or whatever have you, but like, there's got to be some people that poured, you know, hundreds, thousands of hours of their life into this project, and to see people championing that has to mean something to you. And so to hear to hear Jane refute all all of the garbage that was, you know. You know, spewed uh, on the Twitter sphere of like mm-hmm. devs don't really care and just go no not true it's it's awesome to see and it really again like all the hard work that we've done on these game of the year shows it really is just to highlight these devs and my my number one goal as I know it's yours as well is just to make mm-hmm. sure they know that we care about what they're doing absolutely you know too much of of what they hear about is is negativity of yeah. like. That box bad, my box good, or this stu- the the puddle gate from yeah. Spider Man, for example, like stupid little things just to yell and and be negative just for negative sake. It, it, it goes back to like when you're little. If you have nothing nice to say, don't say it at all. Yeah, and and most of the people that talk about games on social media, uh, probably have never heard that ever in their entire life. I thought it so, was a suggestion. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So the the what we do and and we pride ourselves on to make sure that these people know that we are so appreciative of the amount of time that they put into these magical things called video games that we enjoy uh, is very important to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That, that said as well, again, awesome to see the love and I hope you all enjoyed it. Let me know in the comments, uh, you know, what was your favorite part of that interview? What was the favorite part of, of Steve's interview as well? Uh, I'd love to know. Who else you want us to, to interview? Yeah. Let us know. I don't know. We got a few names. We got a few. Oh, we. Yeah, we got something in the works. Don't worry. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. That's right. This ain't the. This ain't the end. Don't worry about it. It's okay. I've said too much. That's right. (laughs) It's coming. Kyle, I want to know what you've been playing in our little quick segment. Quick play. We each have a minute. Here's how this whole big rigmarole happens. Okay, we got one minute to talk about the games that we played this week why you say because every time i hear one of these things it's like y'all are going on for 10 minutes it's like man i can't be interested where's the conversation where's the dialogue where here's the thing if i'm interested if i want to know more if kyle's interested he wants to know more guess what we get to ask a question and then the time is extended simple as that so quick play kyle what has been on your dashboard take it away I mean, let's start with 10 Dates, a sequel to Five Dates, so one of my favorite games from the pandemic. It is an FMV game where you are literally just going on dates and trying to find love. Uh, Real-life actors and actresses in it. Um, you make choices. It's narrative-based. There's no combat, no none, none of that. It's just uh, crafting your own story in this world. And 10 Dates still has that charm and uh, great characters from the first game. Um 
that five dates had and i i already have my favorites and i can't wait to uh fall in love with these real people but are who are also fictional it's weird okay actors you like yeah exactly (laughs) oh my god man you just blew my mind for a second there that's wild Um, (laughs) yeah 10 dates is great yeah. Uh, so give it a give it a shot, or if you want to start just five dates, you think ten dates is too yeah. much. Five dates is there. Ten dates is cool though. You get to pick a protagonist, oh. so you can be Ryan, I believe it was Ryan, or Misha. Oh, um, okay. so you have female and male leads uh, that you can choose to go on dates with. So it's nice. awesome. Nice. Um, in addition, though, okay, I went back and played a game I bought last year. Oh boy, talk about it. Talk about it. Ghostwire Tokyo. Yeah? And how are you like I am 32 hours in. No way! I am 32 hours in, and I am enjoying every single second. Okay. Yes. The traversal might be be my biggest issue with it. The the mantling doesn't work half the time. Uh, uh, The uh, going up high right with the the tengu that you grapple to to get up to high places they're few and far between there's not enough and i feel like all the spirits that you have to collect uh, are way hard to get to some of them mm-hmm. which is uh, making me a little angry okay. um but i'm enjoying the world i'm enjoying collecting all the spirits i'm enjoying feeding the dogs and having them lead me to either money or sure. secrets um the story is there I'm not going to say it's the best story in the world, Mm-mm. but I'm just digging the vibe. I'm, I'm having a great time. <laughs> oh, wow. Good for you. Good for you. Yeah. That's awesome. Holy crap. Oh, my God. That's uh, you, you caught me by surprise here, Kyle. Uh, <laughs> so, so I didn't want to say anything on Twitter. I wanted I to know. wait until we were here. So how how are you feeling about the combat? Because I think that was just like this combat was hella fun. Yeah. So like I, I didn't play. You played a little bit of it yeah. last year. And the combat to me looking at it was weird. They were just mm-hmm. like doing hand motions and, and, and magic was coming out. Uh, it's way more natural. It's okay. definitely just a first person shooter. Uh, with with magical attacks, um, I'm never worried about running out of stuff because there's you can break things everywhere to replenish. Um, uh, getting the timing down to switch to a block with incoming attack, or mm-hmm. knowing what types of visitors are should be your priority because they do massive damage or. Or what? When to go to the little ones and take them out first because yeah. they become overwhelming. Um, when I unlock the talismans, that uh, I don't know if you got far enough to get talismans in the game, yes. but there's ones where you can stun uh, a whole group and you can go up and silently take them out in one hit. Oh, wow, okay. You there's one a talisman where you can throw it down and, and the bush appears out of nowhere so you can hide in it and sneak <laughs> around that way. All right. There's even ones where you throw it down and the moment that they, they enter the zone their core exposes and that's like a one hit kill you can just grab a hold and and rip them out and they're done. Oh wow. Um, so there's a lot of fun things that are happening. And uh, I'm playing because I'm having fun doing it. There's nothing about the story that's making me want to continue. It's just going around and cleaning up Tokyo, 
getting all the spirits, trying 100% each district, which is incredibly frustrating. Yeah. But I'm having a good time doing it. Yeah, fair. Uh, so I've been playing a few games. Uh, two of them I just want to give a shout outs. I have I have not played deep enough to to fully grasp the concepts of the games yet. But uh, first and foremost, Sea of Stars. Here's what I will say about Sea of Stars. Hooey. Oh my God, this game is beautiful. Uh, the combat, yeah. it, it it really does feel like they're like, hey, listen, let's make a 2D, like if 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 there was like a, you know, I don't know, like a, a chrono trigger, you know, today, pixel graphics, none of this like 3D, well, none of it, this is it. And oh my God, this game is gorgeous. This game I think is going to be, uh, th- this thing's going to be up for game of the year conversations for sure. Sweet, especially especially art style look phenomenal. Octopath I'm Traveler holding out so the full full release for Sea of Stars. Fair, fair. Yeah, Octopath Traveler two. It's more Octopath. Sweet. I dig it. Game's beautiful. Now, that being said, last game I've been playing more of is Hogwarts Legacy. Uh-huh. Uh, because we gave you my impressions last week. Uh, deeper impressions of the open world is, uh, oh boy, I haven't experienced an open world game this much fun uh, outside Elden Ring. Asterix. Uh, <laughs> since, uh, since, since Ghost of Tsushima. It seems like I put it out on Twitter and it definitely is like the summation of how I feel towards this open world is. Uh, it, Ghost of Tsushima's open world this game definitely took a lot of inspiration. Like instead of chasing a fox to to a happy hut, you're, you're chasing like butterflies to a hidden treasure. Um, mm. It's it, it, it's the perfect open world game for people with ADHD. <laughs> I'm going towards this quest and I keep on getting distracted and go, oh, <laughs> where was I? I guess I'll hop on this broom. And even when I hop on the broom to go zigzag, there's even stuff to do when you're, when you're in air and in, 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 you know flying about. So, Really digging it, and uh, who knows? I might, I might just go for the plot. Who knows? Ooh wee! And maybe I'll sell yeah. a bunch of books. I don't know. Sky's oh. the limit. Sky's the limit. Listen, thievery. I don't look down on. In it. this case, in this case, it's okay. I don't look down on it. <laughs> It's like you can just go to a library. Why do I laugh like that, by the way? But you can just go to I, a library. I don't know why you laugh like that. I could go. I could go get a library card. Nah, thievery. I'll go to a Borders, you know. Ooh, yeah. I know. Listen, I'm a big spender. There's a there's a Starbucks inside every Borders. You know that. I I like how you mentioned a bookstore that I'm pretty sure is out of business. <laughs> no, no, Borders books. They're still there. Oh, okay. They're still uh, there. All of the ones around me are gone. That's right. Because it's a bummer. Everybody on Long Island don't read because they're dumb. They got rocks for brains. All right, Kyle. <laughs> Coming from a Jerseyan. That's rich. Right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Go back to the, your Sopranos pizza place oh and shut it. Oh, my God. It's a deli. <laughs> and I've passed by it numerous times. That deli is 10 <laughs> minutes away from me. All if right? you want to assassinate Joe, now's your chance. Now you know. <laughs> watch season one through six. And, yes, power through six of Sopranos. Get the locales right. I'm telling you, when they go Lodi, New Jersey, my my hair from my forearm, it just stands up. I get chills. They're really there. They're sitting right in front of a pizza town. Pizza town exists. I've never tried that pizza, but I will for Polly Walnuts. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Sopranos talk of the day. I'm still not. I have, I'm still muscling through season six. It's not good. Really muscling through it. Yeah. Hey, Kyle, are you holding on to something? I am. 
Prepare the drop. Here are the latest steals and deals coming to the PlayStation storefront. This week, February 14th, Boyfriend Dungeon on PS5. And guess what? Yeah. Uh, if you're following us on Twitter, which you should be, at PS Trophy Room, uh, the developers were kind enough to give us four codes and we gave them all away on Twitter, on the Discord server. Uh, generosity knows no bounds here. Uh, Journey to the Savage Planet, Employee of the Month edition on PS5. It comes with a cool, a couple of cool little, like, redone cutscenes and enhanced oh, wow. visuals for uh, for PS5. Like Cool. Yeah, like uh, higher frame rate, all that jazz. Labyrinth of Galleria, the Moon Society on PS5, PS4. Souls of Kronos on PS5. Ten Dates on PS4. Wanted Dead. Our good friend Luke Lore over at the Xbox Expansion Pass has an interview with the, I believe, one of the lead developers on that game. So if you're interested, check it out. He really enjoys the game. He's he. It's like to him, it's like, yeah, this is back when you know, it's a game ass game, 360 PS3 era. That's what you're getting here. So again, go check out his interview. Uh, and speaking of, uh, of, you know, dates, uh, I did have a lovely Valentine's day date with Luke's mother, whose favorite flower is lilac. And, uh, <laughs> I was about to say like, no way, Joe, hey, I'm happy for you. And then, yeah, <laughs> that was a lot of people's reactions. February 15th. <laughs> 1993 <laughs> Shenodoa on PS4 releases. Uh, Cities Skylines remastered on PS5. Pocket Witch on PS5, PS4. And Returnals PC release BB. And guess what? Yeah. It is amazing. February 16th, Shadow Warrior 3 Definitive Edition on PS5, PS4. Theater Rhythm, uh, the final bar line on PS4. February 17th. Oh, goodness gracious. Giga Taurus Dino Kart on PS4, Paw Patrol Mighty Pups Adventure Bay on PS5, PS sorry, on PS5, and remember, uh, what is it? Akaba also goes for Paw Patrol. All right, we don't trust those. We don't trust those Paw Patrols. <laughs> As somebody who watches Paw Patrol, not <laughs> I, I know what you're saying. There you go. Okay, yeah, A-cap. I ruined the joke. Yeah. <laughs> Rutov Renegade on PS4. Uh, Rise of Fox here on PS4. PS4. Uh, Tales of Symphonia remastered on PS4. And Wild Hearts. I'm really interested in this one uh, on PS5. A lot of people are talking really highly about it. Um, listen, a, this month is crowded. A lot a, of good. Not just month. This is a big week. week. Yeah, I know. Next week we got it's Atomic a Heart. Which is just a whole lot of games coming at once. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Left is up, left is down is right. Who knows? All right, Kyle. It is time for a favorite segment of the night. And because we're going a little long in the tooth here, Kyle, I am gonna cut some of the questions for our Patreon show. So okay. that said, just as a hungry boy and I need din din. It's time yeah. for the Sony Pony Express. Yeah, on that note, the girls keep opening the door to see if I'm done. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> They've been doing that for the last 40 minutes and strapping nuts. All right, all right. Three questions. You promise? Three questions yeah. you got. Right? No, we're good. No, that's not mean to rush. I'm just adding to the right. you being hungry. Yeah. Gotcha. Savoy Prime writes in, not a question, just wanted to say, uh, Joe and Kyle are awesome. The growth of the Aww. show and the community have been great to see and looking forward to seeing where this goes from here. Keep up the great work. Love you guys. Thank you so much, I oh, love Savoy. you. Thank you, everybody. Uh, Seriously, th- shout out to everybody. Yeah, thank you. And if can I get a little real? Can I open up? Sure. Can I open up wide. 
Uh, it's been a real rough couple of weeks over here in Joseph Land. Oh, um, I mean, Kyle Land as well. <laughs> yeah. Been getting a lot of angry DMs as of late. And I would just like to say, shout out to the Trophy Room community, because over the past few weeks, you've given me so much love, hope, and support. You guys have shown what an amazing community this truly is on the internet. Uh, and I want to thank you for your 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 your, your kindness uh, over the past few weeks, because it's really helped keep me going. And I really mean this. If you haven't already, please consider dropping us a five-star review on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, because I read them, and gosh dang, do they impact me a great deal. They really do help me go, and I know they help Kyle as well. So trust me, I can need some kind words right now. Ace Insane writes in. Hey guys, I'm a new PlayStation player and have Ooh. but one platinum trophy so far. Still counts. Still counts. Uh, I'm currently working through on my second for The Last of Us Part 1. Ooh-wee. Yeah. My question is, have you always been a trophy hunter since they became available, or is this something you initially didn't care about? I've loved... I, I love many games, but for the most part, never cared about getting any every collectible beating and on the hardest difficulty, etc. Of course, we know Kyle loves his platinums, but was his this always the case? Keep up the good work and bring smiles to many faces like mine. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Ace. Thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, no, was no. not always the case. Uh, mm. There are plenty games on my PS3 profile. Uh, my old pro PSN profile where I just played a game just to play a game. And I didn't really care. Yeah. I don't know what the switch was. I could not tell you. Um, I just had more fun getting more out of the games and, and wanting to experience everything. And so uh, it was, it was quite a journey though. For most of the time, I didn't care. I would just yeah. play the game. I think, and now it's become such a huge problem that I don't pick up my Switch because there's nothing to reward me for play. <laughs> That's the thing that I'm having a big trouble. Like, I, it's gotten to the fact. It's point so where stupid to say, but it's the honest to God truth. No, it is, and I'm I'm right here with you. It's the same way, Kyle. I'm not kidding. Like, it is, it is bad because I look at the Switch and I'm like, all right, like, listen, I'm gonna get Metroid Prime remastered for sure. I got it physically, y'all pre-ordered it and remember what, what it's not a nintendo game anymore that is a playstation game metroid is now officially how we recognize it playstation metroid synonymous uh because if they're not going to respect it we are god damn it <laughs> that said uh like those are the exceptions to the rules but every game that i can get trophies on i will try my best and my rule of thumb is i will get as many trophies as i can that are obtainable. And if I really, really, really love the game, as you all know, I will go for the plat. But it never used to be that way. When I was playing majority on, on the Xbox 360 back in the day, like Red Dead, I didn't get a thousand uh, whatever achievement points on it. Because achievement points, let's be honest, they suck. They're not that good. Uh, God forbid you get an achievement score of a seven or a three. And that just messes up everything. Um would love to learn why that was the choice. Honestly, those people need to go to hell. Whoever's putting like, <laughs> if it's not a, if you're putting other than a five or a zero, I feel people's pains there. I feel yeah. you Xbox folks out there, yeah. okay? Because uh, that's rough. But like, I, I'll be like 600, 700, 800 is a sweet point where I'm like, that's how I could tell you I, I, I loved it. 
With PlayStation, it's like at around the 70% mark or 80%. I can wipe my hands and go, okay, I'm good. Like, for example, Kalisto, the trophies are, are glitched. I still need to get a symbolic trophy for that game. But, like, it's at 80% and I'm, I'm pretty fine with it. So, for oh, me, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it comes down to the percentage uh, complete. That, that's yeah, what just I finished. Remember. Like, I just finished Dead Space the other day, or yeah. the other week. Yeah. I'm not going for that plat. There's no way I'm playing that game two more times. No, thank you. Yeah. All right. Are you ready for this last one? Yeah, I'm ready. Katie, Katie writes in. So, because it was Valentine's Day this week, my question to you is, if you had to play matchmaker and you can match up with any game character with another, it doesn't have to be from the same game, what two characters would you put together? Really happy for you guys and all the hard work you guys are doing. It's awesome to see. You. May it continue. Much love. Oh, so now we're you, playing Katie. matchmaker with. I got it. Okay, please, because I'm I'm stumped. I got one. Please go for it. Just because I looked up and I see my Final Fantasy VII remake postcards signed by the voice cast that I got at Pax East. Humble brag, love them. Oh boy. And just because I think it'd be a funny pairing, and I was thinking about this character earlier for, uh, uh, the the Chloe question where I gave yeah. you Chloe the yeah. unit question. Thank you. I was going to joke around and say the, the, uh, dang it, her character name from Jack and Daxter. Uh, Jack? No, 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 no. The, the, Daxter? no, the girl from the beginning. It doesn't matter. Right. Um, Daxter and Jesse. Okay. I think the, okay. the combination of those two, I think, would be chaotic. And I think they're just, they're made for each other. So I got Link from Link's In Awakening. In my head, it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I get it, I get it. So I, get, I got Link from Link's Awakening. And who am I pairing him with, right? Zelda? Oh, no. I didn't even think outside the PlayStation realm. Right, I'm thinking, I'm, well, I thought, I, I looked at these amiibo that are right across from me. So I got Chibi Link, and okay. I'm going to pair him up with Sackboy. Ooh. You know? Let's do okay. it. Let's do it. I think they look uh, cute. I think they'd be a cute couple. I think they're both cute as is. You know? Okay. I last oh, I got another one. I got another one. Yeah, go for it. I'm going to take Princess Peach. Uh-huh. Because she deserves to be loved and protected True. at all times. You know who else deserves some love after what they went through? What's that? Abby from The Last of Us Part Two. Oh, I like that. Abby and Princess Peach together. Yeah both fill in their needs yeah. uh, together. I think that'd be great. I'm going to do two Naughty Dog characters now. This is fun. I'm going to do... <laughs> that was a very convincing... This is fun. Uh, Nathan Drake. <laughs> no, sorry. No, wait, sorry. I'm going to do... Listen, I'm going to be like, after three months, I'm like, Chloe, this is not working out. Got stuck yeah, by yeah, an yeah. exotic bee, and mm. now my arm fell off. This is not going to mm. work between us. I can't live this life. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But I know someone that I feel like needs you. And you guys are on the same page. Have you met my friend Joel? <laughs> I think that they, honestly, they're two badasses. Yeah. I feel like they mix. Yeah. I think they got a vibe. We already see the Joel and Tess dynamic. We know exactly. that they work. They work. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. All right. Fair enough. And you know what? Chief Cortana, not good enough for you, dude. I'm not, I don't know who I have for Chiefs dating. Miss Pac-Man. <laughs> honestly i heard miss pa after mr pac-man's death she's 
she's on OkCupid now, and she's trying to get that back oh, out there. Good for her. She's on eHarmony. Good for her. Yeah. So you know yeah. what, Chief? Come on. Let's go. What do you got to lose? Oh, she doesn't have a corporeal form. Oh, like, she oh. doesn't have a body. Like, come She's on. hungry all the time. Yeah. Oh. Cortana, technically, she was a hologram. Like, let it yeah, go. Come on now. Come Ms. on, Pac-Man. bro. Yeah. Very inclusive of us, Miss Pac-Man and Master Chief, I have to say. Is Master Chief an incel? <laughs> well, no, not in the show. Not in the show. Oh, not. yeah, not in the show. Yeah, not in the yeah. show. And no. Anyways. I, <laughs> you know what? That's a great way to... That's what, We'll let the comments decide. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, that has been the trophy room. For the rest of y'all, your questions, y'all, uh, I'm going to have them in the Patreon post show. We're going to have a whole bunch of fun, so we'll come back. And, you know, have, have a, well, you won't even know that. This is a, I'll edit this portion out. It's going to be great. You, you guys won't notice a gosh dang thing. Head on over to patreon.com slash PS Trophy Room to hear all of our after show goodness. We got the Last of Us uh, Road to the review of the breakdown of the entire series on Patreon. We have our Road to Greatness, where we break down the biggest games that we've been playing that month, all on patreon.com slash P.S. Trophy Room. But before we get on out of here, Kyle, is there anything you'd like to spotlight before we get on out of here? Myself, Mr. Ksep, uh, pretty much everywhere. Follow 61Indie. All the indie gaming news you need to know about. 61Indie. S-I-X-O-N-E-I-N-D-I-E. I'll be at PAX East. Come see me at PAX East. When's PAX East? March 23rd to the 26th. Oh, we got time. Yeah, we got time. We got time. Ooh, and you can find me over at Mr. Babbitt. You can find the show over at PS Trophy Room on Twitter. And you can, again, drop us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, over on Spotify. It really does help us out, keeps this show going. And, uh, yeah, with all that said, all that out of the way, everybody, keep your wits about you. Keep hunting and keep playing PlayStation. See you guys. Bye. Love you very much.